only 35 for false claims of rape. Disability campaigners are challenging the government's decision to scrap the independent living allowance in the High Court today. They claim they could be forced into residential care by plans to close a £320 million scheme that helps them live independently. And they say the consultation process about the decision was unlawful. By 2015, the money will be given directly to local authorities and not ring-fenced. Police investigating 13 distraction burglaries across Hertfordshire have released e-fit images of two suspects. The victims are all elderly, aged from 77 to 93 and police believe the conmen may also have struck in Bedfordshire. Simon Oxley has the details. The burglaries, which are believed to be linked, have occurred in Hitchin, Royston, Hemel Hempstead, Harpenden, Hatfield, Smallford, St Albans and Cuffley since November. One man distracts the victim by asking to check the water supply, whilst the second commits a burglary. Both are white with Irish accents, aged between 30 and 50. One is very slim, the second larger. In the most recent burglaries, a woman in her late 80s had cash stolen in St Albans, and a woman in her 80s had cash taken in Hemel Hempstead. Four silver chalices stolen from a church in Watford early this year have been recovered and returned by police. The items were stolen on Saturday, January the 26th from Holyrood Church in Market Street. A 40-year-old man from Watford pleaded guilty to theft five days later and was sentenced to 28 days in prison. When he was released last week, he took offices to an area in the town centre where he'd hidden the items. Cardinals begin the second day of their secret conclave to choose a new pope this morning. Yesterday's first round of voting was inconclusive. Now up to four ballots will be held each day until one candidate gains a two-thirds majority. In sport, MK Dons lost 3-2 to Shrewsbury in their League One match last night. Ryan Lowe scored both the MK goals. And the weather dry and bright with occasional wintry showers and a top temperature of 2 degrees Celsius, that's 36 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio. First for news. Listener, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Wednesday. Who would have thought we'd live so long to make it to Wednesday, the 13th of March, 2013? I certainly hadn't planned it. It wasn't on my list of things to do, but we're here, so we should blooming well get on with it. Lots on the show this morning, and as always, uh, would like your opinions on it. Parents are considering leaving Bedford because the schools aren't good enough. We'll hear from a man who's worried for his children. With the weather at two degrees C, I'll be catching up with the winter shelter in Milton Keynes. And it's the 30th anniversary of the first national no-smoking day today. I used to be a smoker, and on no-smoking day, we'd smoke more. Two fingers up at you, no-smoking people. Well, smokers are worried because about giving up because they think they'll put on weight. Can you give up smoking without putting on weight? Yes, I would say. Uh, lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Uh, you can text, although I'm not going to give you the text number just now. I'm going to tease you. Oh, you can give us a phone call. 08459 455 555. I should warn you, Justin Dealey is out cruising through the three counties this morning looking for the people having a cheeky little fag outside work. So just be careful. If you're standing in the freezing cold, warming your hands around a Marlborough light, JD may be pouncing on you. BBC Three Counties Radio. Just have to say for legal reasons, he will not literally be pouncing on you because that would be considered abuse. 
Now, a father and school governor in Bedford says he's considering moving from the town because he's so worried about the secondary education in the town. Tom Barwood says poor GCSE results in the state schools in Bedford may force him to move to a better area. And he says other parents are considering doing the same. Well, political reporter Paul Scorn says more. Paul, what exactly is this gentleman saying? Well, Tom Bar- Barwood is the father of two children in. He's also an educational expert as well. He used to be a teacher. And he's also governor at Castle Lower School in Bedford. He says he's got some real concerns about the future of his children's education should they decide to stay in the town. And he's got a particular concern about how that the secondary schools, the state secondary schools in Bedford, perform. So w- what's he worried about then? What are his concerns? Well, his main concern is the GCSE performance. Uh, he says it's been a real concern. He said that the percentage of pupils achieving grades A to C, including maths and English, is actually just over 50%. It's about 54%. And now if you consider all the results, it looks a bit better, 80%. And in fact, the council were accused of putting out a press release last year saying, we've got 80% success at GCSE results. Like, well, yes, but you haven't included those so the maths and the English bring the 80% down to around 54%. 54% and in some schools wow. as low as 49%, okay. uh, which is quite a bit lower than the national average. Now, if you don't have those math and English uh, results, you just don't get on. They're so key, of course. They are, absolutely. So, um, and if you just... just There is an interesting sort of, I won't say divide, but there's a contrast in in Bedford because Mm. you've got three very well-performing or high-performing independent schools, which are fee-paying schools, alongside the other schools. And those three independent schools all scored 80% of their GCSEs, A star to C, including... English that's including the English and maths. Okay, that so gives you a bit of contrast. The best state school for the last figures was Wharton Upper, which uh, managed to achieve a figure of sixty-seven percent. However, the critics say that the town centre schools are the ones that suffer. Well, what's the reason for this? There has to be. Well, our pa- yeah, I mean, our parents says that there's a... He, he puts it down to a lack of a, a coherent policy for schools in Bedford. He says that the schools uh, are perhaps not getting the right teachers or the leaderships, and that's making some of the schools suffer. He says some schools are getting it right, but the, the, the fact that you've got the disappointing statistics is a bit of a vicious circle. Parents are more reluctant to send schools which don't have good good figures. He says the fact that you've got so many private, town, private schools in the town does influence it as well. It perhaps influences where the staff Goes. So perhaps the better teachers are going to the, the private schools? This is what he's saying, absolutely. And he's saying that his main criticism is that the council don't have a specific hard policy on, on what they're going to do with it. They have said that they're going to change it. They're saying that they will improve things and they've put in place a, a, a sort of strategy to do that. But he says it's not good enough. A few years ago, when it was a county council, you had this situation where they were going to switch to three-tier and then they ended up sort of having some schools at three-tier, some schools at here and that he says that not having that huge or that that sort of sole policy is causing a real ruck there's no consistency mm. what's the picture around beds hearts and bucks how does bedford sit within the whole area well okay let's just take those um those those gcse grades with english and maths because i think that's the important one so those scoring a to c the best counties by far buckinghamshire they they score around 70 percent average of their of uh, of their schools achieving that amount. and that's higher than the national average it isn't is it? that's about, it's over 10 percent higher than the right. national average it's one of the best in the country you've got hearts at 66 percent um, which is eight percent you've got central beds at 58 percent and then luton very similar to bed for just around 55 percent milton Keynes actually at the last figures was actually scoring a bit worse it was 51 percent which is uh, 6.5 percent less 
than the national average. So a bit of a mixed picture across our patch. OK, well, what do you think, dear listener? Are you, are you uh, worried about your children's education in, uh, in Milton Keynes and Bedford, it would appear? 08459 455 555. Or do you think that these, actually, these schools are getting a bad rap and uh, they're, they're doing pretty good by you? Paul, I hate to go off on a slight tangent, but before we, just before we came on air, you were kind of leaning forward. You're obviously in a little bit of pain. Mm. You've hurt your back, haven't you? Yes. What, what, what did you do to your back? It was an unusual, some would say, middle-class injury. <coughs> well, I've got a, a fire, a real fire, a roaring real fire. Which is fantastic at this time of year. Wonderful, that's Absolutely. what you want. And um, I was sitting awkwardly at, yeah. uh, in front of the fire, and I was going to put some coal on it. Because I live in a, in a, a non-smokeless zone, so I just put coal. Just throw some coal in. Who cares? Burn whatever I like. Forget the environment. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I was sitting down awkwardly like this. Yes. With, with sort of legs to the side. Okay. Oh, go down here. He's on the floor. This you, you, this is being filmed for Facebook. You're, and then um, I lifted the coal scuttle. Yes. Which was quite heavy. Yeah. And obviously sitting the way I am, I sort of turned awkwardly. <sighs> you okay getting up? Just a bit. You're right. Do you need a hand? No. You, you sit down. Well, I've got a bad back, and I, I got my bad back lifting uh, a three-year-old. It was my son uh, out of his bed uh, to put him into my bed because he was having a little bit of a screaming fit. It's, Dada, Dada, help, help! Mm. At two o'clock in the morning. So the best thing is just to lift it. And I went down badly and, and, and hurt my back. So today we're going to celebrate the magic of the, uh, the middle-class back injury. Do listen, you've got a bad back. How did you do it? Was it lifting a child? Was it lifting a coal scuttle? What is this, the 1800s or something? 08459 455 555. How, can we find a back injury this morning less deserving of, of uh, sympathy than a, a man too lazy to stand up with a coal scuttle? 08459 455 555.
seriously, how good are the Bengals? How good are... Oh, no, come on, they're good. They're good. The Bengals are good, aren't they? They had that one. They had the Egyptian song. Hazy Shade of Winter. They, they were three songs good. The Bangles were three songs good. I interviewed the Bangles once, and I've got to say, Susanna Hoffs. Wowzers. What a lady. She's a lady. The other, apparently, the other's a lady as well. The results are back, and they are all women. But uh, Susanna Hoffs. Wowzers. What a lady. So, how did you injure your back this morning? Or injuries around the home? Well, I think we'll do. Let's, let's broaden it slightly. Injuries around the home. 08459 455 555. Paul Scorn's back. Ruined. Ruined, torn to shreds, because he was sitting on the floor lifting a coal scuttle. If his description wasn't vivid enough for you, uh, we're going to post... We, we filmed that. Yeah, the, the unique way the BBC is funded means that we could film that, and we're going to post that video on the Facebook page uh, in just a few short minutes. Uh, I injured my back lifting my child, my son, out of bed. Had to help! How have you injured your back or injured yourself around your home, please? 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Right, let's get the latest travel news now. It's James Wally. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks very much. The Mem 1 at the moment moving well. No problems on camera. Southbound towards the M25. Northbound, if you're heading up into Northamptonshire, moving very well from what I can see, as is the M25 with no delays, clockwise or indeed anti-clockwise. If you're heading onto the trains, unfortunately delays on the West Coast Main Line. The train's broken down north of Preston in Lancashire, which means delays of up to an hour if you're heading to either Scotland or waiting for trains heading through the three counties towards London. And on the Jubilee Line in London, severe delays set into the capital from Wembley Park down to Green Park because of a signal failure at Neasden. There are minor delays on the Met line this morning between Wembley Park and Oldgate, again with that signal failure. I'm James Worley, BBC Three Counters Radio. James, thank you very much. Morning, it's 6.15. It's Wednesday the 13th of March. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. An education consultant from Bedford is so worried by poor standards in the town's state schools, he's considering moving for the sake of his children. Disability campaigners are challenging the government's decision to scrap the independent living allowance in the High Court today. In Luton, uh, in sport, Luton Town suffered a humiliating 2-1 defeat at home to strugglers hide in the conference. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks dry and bright with occasional wintry showers and a top temperature of 2 degrees. Coming up, with the weather being as cold as it is, I'll be catching up with the winter shelter in Milton Keynes. We'll hear from them and find out if they're still open before 6.30 this morning. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday from three, Roberto Peroni with the best local news stories. There's a sporting story emerging. Paul Buckle has left Luton Town Football Club by mutual consent. The owners of the Centre MK have withdrawn a part of an application regarding the Primark development. Local talking points. The Hertfordshire Police and Crime Commissioner, Mr David Lloyd, has a plan to get sponsorship for police cars. The best local travel. There's been another day of disruption on the Thameslink line today. We were allowed evacuating something train and we had to go back to Ratchet and now we're waiting for the bus. Roberto Peroni, every weekday from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Do you remember when this song was everywhere? This was huge, wasn't it? You don't hear this very often now. I wonder why. Mustang Sally Guess you better slow than Mustang
Thursday. I kind of threw this, have you injured your, your, your back, injuries at home thing out, thinking oh, we, won't, we won't get much on it. On Twitter already, it's a, Twitter is a light. We're virtually trending around the world. Turns out you lot are very, very clumsy. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll read out some of them a little bit later on. But what, what back injuries have you sustained? Uh, or, or injuries around the home? You can give us a call 08459 455 555. Or you can tweet me at Ian Lee, I-A-I-N-L-E-E, or at BBC 3CR. Now, on to slightly more serious things. You may remember a few months ago when we spoke about homeless people in Milton Keynes. We found out that the winter night shelter was due to close, with temperatures at 2 degrees Celsius. I wanted to find out what's happening now. Well, we can talk to Simon Green, who's the housing manager for Milton Keynes YMCA and is a director of the Winter Night Shelter Project in Milton Keynes. Morning, Simon. Morning, Ian. Now, th- th- this winter uh, uh, night shelter was always going to be a temporary thing, wasn't it? Well, yeah, it's a project that runs for three months, so the, uh, the clue is in the title, really. Yeah, so it's something that um, we opened to get homeless people through the winter, really. So it runs from the start of December to the uh, end of February. And how many people did you have through your doors? This year, 79. Wow. Because uh, we were talking about this yesterday, and there were people saying, well, you don't see homeless people in Milton Keynes. Well, but, but they are there, aren't they? How big of a problem is it in Milton Keynes? Well, at the YMCA, we run a hostel year round, um, and on any night, we've got 15 people in our hostel. Um, so we see 350 people over the course of a year. Um, and we're turning away about 650 people because we haven't got room to accommodate them. So you're actually, people are turning up, looking for a bed and a, a bite to eat, and you're having to say, I'm really sorry, mate, but um, you, you can't come in. That's right, unfortunately. How does, well, how does that make you feel, first of all? Well, it's difficult, obviously, and um, as, as a member of frontline staff, if you're there on a cold, rainy night in November and you're turning someone away, it's obviously not a pleasant thing to have to do um and in you know that was a strong motivation for us really in starting the winter night shelter um because it's an issue year round but especially in winter um if we if we can't accommodate people they're stuck and that they're you know they're sleeping in the cold well the, so the the, the night the, the winter night shelter is, is closed now yeah. uh and yet it's still freezing if anything it's getting colder again yeah, well it's obviously very unfortunate what yeah. happened um on, on the day the winter night shelter closed, it was actually warm and sunny, so we were, we were quite happy that um, things had worked out quite nicely. And then, of course, we've been hit with this cold snap and, and things are difficult again. Um, we, I mean, we did manage this year, as, as the winter night shelter closed, we had rehoused everybody that was in the project. So, so on the last day, uh, everybody that had been staying with us, we found accommodation for um, but that was a few weeks ago, and I've got no doubt that there are people um, sleeping rough again. So that's a success story. So while the people are staying with you, um, what kind of things are you doing to help them, you know, I guess, improve their loss? Yeah, well, of course, that's important, and we look at the issues behind homelessness and why people have become homeless. Um, with the numbers that we've got, we do try to turn people around in the hostel as fast as possible. So our, our primary concern is to get people um, suitable accommodation within a six-week period. Um, most of that will be renting privately. Um, but, of course, there's all sorts of issues that are affecting people. That might be mental health. It might be uh, drug or alcohol issues. It might be family breakdown. All sorts of issues that have led to people finding themselves homeless. Um, 
and we do what we can to address that although with the the length of time we're working with people is more about linking them in with other services who can help in an ongoing basis there are some people who um, are a little bit snobbish about homelessness, and I, and I think they're wrong to have that attitude because I, I genuinely believe that we're all a couple of bad decisions and a couple of bad bits of luck away from being homeless ourselves. Yeah, of course, and there's um, the adage about everybody being one paycheck away from the gutter, and I think that, that definitely is true. Um, and we see people coming through our hostel and through the winter night shelter who are in shock, really, that they're in the position they are in. Um, and, it, it, you know, it's very easy to lose your job and then um, in a short space of time to, to sort of use up the, the good feeling of your friends and find that you haven't got anywhere to stay. And I think it's very important that we as a society have got mechanisms there to pick people up and help them through those difficult times. Um, we had somebody through the Winter Night Shelter, lovely young lad. He had been a resident at the YMCA um, he was working, he left us in a positive situation to go and live with his girlfriend, that broke down, and so over Christmas he found himself on the streets, and that would have been a terrible situation but for our projects, but we, we were able to pick him up, give him support for six weeks or so, um, and he's back living in a flat now and doing well. What would you like to see happen, uh, Simon, to improve the facilities available to homeless people in the Milton Keynes area? Well, for us, the, the primary issue is about the numbers of beds. So um, we, we um, could really do a double the size facility that we've got to meet the demand as it is now. Um, but the, the, the issue is obviously affording that, and it's a difficult time. Um, public sector finances are in a poor state, so services are being cut rather than expanded. Um, and what, what we're trying to do is respond as best we can. So the winter night shelter was around... Um, getting volunteers to help with the situation and that was a roaring success we had 250 volunteers helping with the winter night shelter last winter and this winter um, and the important thing with that really is that we're getting um, volunteers who've got um, good skills that, that, that they can offer so um, for us in expanding our service we're, we're particularly um, in need of a, a, some improved catering arrangements so if there are people out there who could provide support with catering and that would be a big help to what we're trying to do so I, one final question going off on a slight tangent i've noticed uh, a few councils have kind of um the, the, particularly when i was in london the other day uh have got posters up saying don't kill with kindness don't give money and don't give food or drink to homeless people now i don't give money but if, if i'm quite often I'll, I'll buy someone a sandwich or a, a coffee or something what's your take on that well i think that's um that's a, a fair thing to do, and I think it's very difficult to walk past someone who, who's clearly in a vulnerable situation and not do anything. And, and my own view is that we shouldn't, um, we shouldn't try and prevent people from responding to, in a positive way to human nature, really. What I will say is that there has been some street begging in Milton Keynes, and, and um, from what I know of that, the people that are begging aren't often the people that are in most need um so you know services such as ours tend to know more about people's circumstances um we understand who genuinely is in need and who is maybe trying to exploit people um people's best nature better nature um so i, I would encourage people really if you do want to to support services and, and help address homelessness then supporting the organizations that are 
doing that is probably a more effective way. Simon, appreciate your time. Simon Green there, who's housing manager for Milton Keynes YMCA. Right, 6.29, let's get the travel news now with Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks very much, Ian. Looking reasonably quiet so far today with no accidents reported on the roads across the Three Counties. Things are moving nicely on the M1. We have got roadworks, though, if you're going northbound. You're down to 50 miles an hour because of works between Milton Keynes at Junction 14 and 15 for the A45 at Northampton. On the M25, those major works don't seem to be causing any delays yet today, but likely will as we head through the morning. Of course, you're down to 50 miles an hour because of the narrow lanes, which are in place between Junction 23 at the A1M and 25 for the A10 at Enfield. If you're travelling by train this morning going north, Virgin Trains disrupt between Lancaster and Crewe. They've got a broken down train. If you're heading to London, the Metropolitan Line tube running with minor delays between Wembley Park and Aldgate. That's down to signal failure at Neasden. Unfortunately, causing severe delays on the Jubilee Line as well, Wembley Park through to Green Park. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. Let's get the news and sport now with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. It's 6.30. The headlines. An education consultant from Bedford is so worried by poor standards in the town's state schools he's considering moving for the sake of his children. Disability campaigners are challenging the government's decision to scrap the independent living allowance in the High Court today. And police investigating 13 distraction burglaries across Hertfordshire are warning elderly residents to be on their guard against bogus workmen. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Arsenal manager Arsene Wenger has confirmed he's rested goalkeeper Wojciech Skechny for tonight's Champions League last 16 second leg tie in Germany against Bayern Munich. Wenger says he's been mentally affected by the number of games he's had to play this season. Lucas Fabianski will be in goal with the Gunners trailing Bayern 3-1 from the first leg at the Emirates. Barcelona meanwhile booked their place in the quarter-finals of the Champions League last night when trailing 2-0 from the first leg in Italy. They beat AC Milan 4-0 at the New Camp to win 4-2 overall. Back home, MK Dons' faint League One promotion hope suffered another blow last night. The Dons lost 3-2 at home to Shrewsbury with Ryan Lowe scoring both the MK goals. Here's a frustrated Carl Robinson. I'm really shocked. I don't know sort of how words can sort of put that right because I think anybody who's in the stadium tonight and watched the game and looked at the score at the end, you'd be very, very shocked. Stevenage also suffered defeat in League One. Borough were beaten 1-0 at home to Bournemouth. In League Two, Wickham Wanderers fought back to earn a 2-2 draw against Rotherham. The chairman, chairboys took the lead in the first half through Joel Grant, but their opponents responded and were 2-1 up with 10 minutes to go before Gary Doherty equalised. Luton Town suffered a humiliating 2-1 defeat at home to strugglers hide in the conference. The Hatters went behind before equalising through Jake Howells, but relegation-threatened Hyde scored their winner in the second half, much to the annoyance of the home fans, and manager John Still wasn't impressed either. It's probably as as poor of the four games, poorest I've seen. I thought first half we were okay, just okay, not better than okay, just okay. Uh, second half, nowhere near it. And that's your latest news in sport. More from me at seven o'clock. So, uh, Catherine, the, the video, the exclusive video, and it is exclusive, of uh, political reporter Paul Scoynes acting out how he injured his back by <laughs> lifting a coal scuttle is now, I believe, on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. We're expanding this from back injuries to middle class mishaps. Catch a little <laughs> title I came up with, Catherine. You're quite middle class. Well, I, tr- I sometimes I mean, try. You've pulled yourself up from the gutter, and I applaud you for that. There is a big streak that. of chav that runs through me like Blackpool Rock. I know. <laughs> I've seen it, and I didn't really want to. Uh, you must have injured yourself. Yeah, I once speared myself on an oil drizzler. 
I was reaching up into the cupboard, and yes. as the thing I was reaching for fell, as often does in my house, uh, I sort of dropped to catch it and speared myself on that pointy bit, the, you know, the nib, Ooh. if you will. Did it go right through your hand? It really went through my wrist. I've still got a scar from it. Oh, we'll, we'll have a look at that later on. Thank you, Catherine. Cross beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. There's some cracking ones on Facebook. Uh, on Twitter, sorry. My, uh, Karen says, My mum hurt her back pulling up her knickers in the loo. Literally got stuck in the loo as she couldn't move. Amy says, My dad broke his wrist lifting me up uh, at a wedding doing that Superman song. That's Black Lace, isn't it? I was about six. The shame. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. I want your middle class mishaps. How did you injure yourself? Um, other things that we are talking about this morning include... Well, it's the 30th anniversary of No Smoking Day. It's No Smoking Day today. Are you inclined to give up because it's No Smoking Day? Or are you going to stick two fingers up to them and smoke more tabs? 08459 455555. Justin Dealey, our smoking correspondent, is roaming beds, hearts and bucks looking for all of you naughty smokers. When I've begun to get myself together You waltz right in the door Just like you've done before And wrap my heart round your little The American Barbara Windsor. Here I go. And here I, go. I love a bit of Dolly. And here I go. You don't hear that one very often. I'm in a bit of a country mood. But listen to a bit of country. Fancy. I was watching. Um, what film was I watching last night? I couldn't watch the uh, Korean time travel movie I was watching because my youngest has hidden the DVD somewhere. Well, I was watching Shortcuts. 
Shortcuts, the Robert Altman three-hour, some say masterpiece, some say tedium. Uh, and there was a, um, a country and western song in that, and it made me think, ooh, fancy bit of country and western. I'd been looking... To listen, let me just go off on a slight tangent. I've been looking at pedal steel guitars on eBay. They're too expensive. If anyone's got a pedal steel guitar they want to give me, wowzers, that would be wonderful. Anyway, it's the day when smokers are being encouraged to finally kick the habit. It's the 30th anniversary of the very first National No Smoking Day. I used to be a smoker, and on No Smoking Day, me and all my friends would smoke more tabs. We'd spark up more until we were sick. Well, one in five of uh, us are smokers. I'm not anymore, by the way. Eight years. Eight years last month. One in five of us are smokers across the three counties, including some of our breakfast team. I'm mentioning no names, but by coincidence, we're going to Justin Dilly. Good morning, Justin. <laughs> Ian, good morning. I'm not, say- I'm not saying anything. Yes, you know I'm a smoker. You I'm are a, dirty, a smoker. horrible, disgusting smoker. Well, this is why we quite often try and get you to come in the studio and do a piece, and you always refuse. And now I've worked out why. It's because you like to be out free, roaming the streets with a tab in your yeah, hand. It's a cigarette. You know what? Like many smokers, Ian, I would love to give up. Congratulations to you. But it is, I would say the hardest thing and do you know what really winds me up about it Go on. when you have these no smokers that say do you know what it's so easy no. other people do it no. why can't you do it unless you've been in that situation you don't know what it's like it is the hard it is the hardest thing to give up but everyone's oh it's easy a bit of willpower right. no not at all no. it's more addi- I, I read a report it's more addictive than heroin justin is that right i'm not suggesting for a second <laughs> you start taking heroin <laughs> in an attempt to get off smoking but it's 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 more addictive and it's very expensive yeah. i mean i mean the, the average price now for a packet of 20 cigarettes, what, around £8? Is it? Yes, absolutely. It was about £2.50 when I was smoking. Well, I was going to say, back in 1993, 20 years ago, for a packet of 20 cigarettes, you're looking at £2.27. <laughs> now, you're looking at around £8. Over a year, if it's £8 a packet and you're smoking 20 a day, you're looking at £2,920. That's so, a luxury holiday. Yeah, exactly. So if it's not the health you're worried about, obviously the cost as well. But today, will it make a difference whatsoever? I don't don't think so. I've been talking to smokers in Lucent very early this morning and this is what they had to say. Well, madam, you did give up for eight months. Unfortunately, you're back smoking again. You're smoking this morning. When you gave up, did you become very stressful and did you put on lots of weight? Yes, that's true. Or both? Uh, yes, both. Loads of stress and I think uh, it's uh, most when you stress at work, you need this. I think you've got this feeling that you want to go for a cigarette. It's like five minutes break from everything. Just... Take a break and go back to work. So that's what got you back smoking again, the stress. I so think, yeah, can yeah. you see yourself in the near future giving the cigarettes out once and for all? Yeah, of course. I'm definitely going to try, but yeah. not yet. <laughs> well, Michael, it's not long past six o'clock. You're already smoking. How many cigarettes do you smoke a day? Ten. Any plans at all to give up? Mm, I want to, but not at the moment. Have you ever given up at any point in your life? Yeah, yeah. Uh, about eight years ago for nearly 12 months. Okay, now this report out today says that a lot of people fear giving up because they may put on weight. When you did give up, did you put on weight? No. So no. What, what got you back to the cigarettes then? I don't know. I don't know, to be honest with you. Okay. One final question for you. When you're outside having a cigarette yeah. and it's absolutely freezing cold, do you think you look a bit of an idiot? Yeah. Uh, you do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but more so when it's raining. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah. But, but still, again, that hasn't convinced you to, to give up at this moment in time. You just can't do it. No, no. Well, Graham, it's National No Smoking Day. You've got some interesting thoughts on smoking. You believe that it should be reintroduced into pubs. Can you tell yeah. us why? Well, just bring more people back into the pubs and get the pub, pubs right, back up running again. So you so. think the smoking ban has well and truly killed the pub? Yeah, of course it has, yeah. Yeah, well, you can see it. Yeah, my locals are, a few of my locals are shut down now, like, but uh, this is, 
Well, as I say, it's a, it's, a, it's a sad world now. Like, you know, as I say, everyone's getting told you can't do this, you can do this, and they just killed a pub team. But as a non smoker, it wouldn't bother you at all if somebody no. was sitting next to you having a cigarette? Not at all, not at all, no. Really? Yeah, yeah, I never, it never bothered me. So, the only thing that was bad about it was your clothes stunk a bit, like, but uh, nothing major about it. So, uh, you know, get it back in, get more people back in the pubs. That's it, that's life for you. Crack on. Well, sir, how many cigarettes or, or roll-ups are you smoking every single day? About 40. You simply can't give up? Nah, I don't. Tried. Can't. Can't. Won't. Don't want to. Anymore. Well, no. And how long, when you did try to give up, how long did that last for? A couple of days? 42 days. So, Justin, have you tried to give up? Uh, yes, I have, and I did actually give up for about uh, probably two years or so. Well, I think. Well, why did you go back? Well, it's what this report says today. 31% of smokers, they are putting off giving up smoking because they fear gaining weight. Yeah. When I did give up, I put on lots of weight. Yeah. But also, I just felt utterly, uh, utterly depressed. Really? And it got to the stage where oh. I went on holiday, I was sitting on the beach in my Speedos, as you do, slapping oh. on the tan, and... <laughs> God, why would yes, you yes, put yes. that image into my mind? But, um... Yeah, when I was there, I just felt really, really depressed, and, and there no. was something missing in my life. And I know it's unhealthy, I know it costs an absolute fortune, but I think once you're a smoker, yes, you can give up, but you will always be a smoker at some point. It I don't want to down Dealey, I don't want to depress Dealey. Yeah. <laughs> but it could be when you go to a party or something like that, you might have the odd one. Every single day, once you do give up, you're fighting it, and that fight does become well, very did, tiresome. Did you, did, did you, because we asked you to give up television the other week, and you mm. lasted, I think, 11 minutes. Yes. Did you employ the same <laughs> technique for smoking well i gave up slightly longer okay. i did but every single day it was a battle it was like you were fighting something minute by minute hour by hour even when you gave up the fags you still wanted one i just couldn't live my life like that justin where are you off to today i'm going to be obviously in Luton right now probably off to harpenden next uh, talking to more dirty filthy smokers uh, because it is no smoking day you've heard the people already it's made no difference here in Luton. in harpenden will it make a difference well stay tuned after seven you'll find out more justin thank you very much indeed now here is one of the most beautiful songs ever written. To lead a better life I need my love to be here Here Making each day of the
That's one of the most beautiful songs in the world. I don't know. Wendy Hurrell? Yes. Were you were you humming along to that? I was. I was really enjoying it. Isn't that a lovely song? Yeah. I may have accidentally knocked your fader open for the last 20 seconds or so. Oh, well, that was the, lo- that was the worst 20 seconds. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I lost the tune at that point. I don't know I'm if you... sort of concentrating on some, you know, weather-type stuff. And, well, it, oh, it's nice to, to know. the middle bit, could you? I, well, it, it's <laughs> nice to know that you're listening sing. and enjoying the music. It was wonderful. It was passionate. <laughs> Wendy, we'll let you compose yourself. We'll come back to you in a second. That humming there, of course, was Wendy Hurrell, who is, uh, well, I thought it was beautiful. We'll speak to Wendy in a second. Before that, at 6.45, <laughs> here's Adam Glynn with the travel. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers, Ian. Good thing you didn't hit my fader because I was singing. Tongwell Street through Milton Keynes Village has closed off resurfacing work near Lindisfarne Drive. In High Wycombe, we've got temporary lights on Hewenden Road. Gas main work going on between Temple End and Hamilton Road. In Luton, there are works on Chorland Lane at presently 5065. We've also got works along the A6 in Bedford. They're taking place at the junction with London Road, the A600. On the trains, if you're heading north with Virgin Trains, disruption this morning between Lancaster and Crewe, a broken down train causing a bit of disruption. And into London, the Metropolitan Line Tube, still running with minor delays, Wembley Park through to Aldgate because of a signal failure at Neasden. Jubilee Line, though, now back to normal. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. We'll get you next time. 6.46, it's Wednesday the 13th of March. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. An education consultant from Bedford is so worried by poor standards in the town's state schools, he's considering moving for the sake of his children. Disability campaigners are challenging the government's decision to scrap the independent living allowance in the High Court today. In sport, the Arsenal manager Arsene Wenger has confirmed he is resting Wojciech Skechny for tonight's Champions League tie against Bayern Munich, saying the goalkeeper is mentally affected by the number of games he's had to play his, this season. It is hard, isn't it, when you have to do your job and get paid a lot of money for it. I get mentally affected doing this five days a week. Can I get rested tomorrow? Coming up, according to the charity Working Families, discrimination against women who take maternity leave is on the increase. We'll find out more before seven, but now let's get the latest weather from the humming sensation that is Wendy Hurrell. Beds, hearts and bugs weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah, I'm, I'm resisting the temptation to hum this weather. Oh, please do, Wendy, please. No, 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 I've got important information to impart, so yes. Uh, temperature of minus one at Luton at the moment, and with one or two showers cropping up, and also perhaps a little bit of snow left over here and there, their Met Office is warning of ice this morning on untreated surfaces, so go very carefully. But now the sun is up, it's looking pretty good out there. There is some beautiful blue sky. As we go through the afternoon, the showers that are cropping up further east at the moment are going to shuffle further 
further inland and so we could see one or two of those across the three counties and they will be of a wintry nature we're talking maybe one or two winter flurries bit of snow here and there not really accumulating for very long but the heavier ones have the potential to produce some hail and the odd clap of thunder just to liven things up for us there will be some sunshine in between any of those showers and temperatures should get to about five or six degrees celsius later on today they will die out those showers as we go through the night and then long long clear spells of weather so it is going to be chilly out in the countryside i'm expecting lows of minus five or six and even in urban areas it will be just below freezing so a frosty and cold start to the day tomorrow but with beautiful blue skies to make up for it and they should stay with us through the afternoon the odd wintry flurry is possible but nothing more than that and temperatures should hit about seven degrees celsius all change for friday and the weekend the wind swings round to the southwest it becomes a little stronger it will be quite blustery and that will take the temperature up a touch to about seven or eight degrees celsius but also start to bring us one or two bits and pieces of rain into the weekend that's how it's looking for now thank you very much Three Counties Sport. Join me, Jeff Doyle, and me, Luke Ashmeet. Monday nights from six will feature sports such as handball. It's a sport that probably no one had heard of. And then once it became an Olympic sport, the arenas were sold out, weren't they? There are clubs, there are individuals, there are people now playing handball that weren't before. We want to hear about them. We want to find out their story. I really want to have a proper go of handball. It's so quick. You you have to be so fit. Yeah, but you could go and go. Three Counties Sports. Monday nights from six. On BBC Three Counties Radio. You want to stick me in goal and fire balls at me. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. This is how this relationship works people i'd pay relationship works i'd pay what what, 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 how much is it a ticket a tenner i'm there morning this is ian lee bbc three counties radio lots to discuss this morning some of the lighter things we're talking about your middle class mishaps how have you injured yourself at home if you want to see the video of our political reporter paul scoynes um reenacting his injury where he attempted to lift a coal scuttle middle class problems facebook.com forward slash bbc 3cr oh there's lots of comments on there about this footage not one of them mentioning the injury they're all mentioning well people are surprised at what paul scoins looks like i think i i I think is uh, the 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 way of saying it go and have a look facebook.com forward slash bbc 3cr we're also asking as well um the, the national no smoking day the 30th anniversary today is it going to make you give up, or are you going to smoke even more? Helen, you're from Milton Keynes. Are you a smoker? Uh, no, I, I used to smoke quite uh, heavily. I used to smoke 50 cigarettes plus a day. But, the, but whenever someone tells me how many cigarettes they smoke, or they used to smoke, I always add about 20 on. Because people <laughs> yeah, always... be right. I, yeah. so, I, smoke, I smoke 10 a day. Okay, so you smoke 30. Right. Well, how long ago did you give up? Oh, I, I stopped in... Uh, the early 80s oh okay and how did you do it i just stopped really yeah i just made up my mind to stop but then i was fortunate i could do that i many people can't do that nope yeah and so many people are judgmental oh you should stop you know it's not that easy no it's not easy for for a lot of people and i'm an ex-smoker but at no point do i i'm not one of those snooty ex-smokers who you know kind of um looks down at people did you did you become a fatty afterwards helen I did put on weight, yeah. yes, I did, yeah. yeah. And it was really difficult. It took me about 10 years to lose it. <laughs> yeah. What so, advice uh, would you give to anyone who's listening who wants to smoke? And we're not doing the BBC preachy, hey, you've got to stop smoking. It's, I don't care, it's up to you. But what advice would you give to anyone who wants to? Who wants to stop smoking? Yeah. 
you. Um, I really think you should get all the help that's available. Try yeah. anything and everything. Yeah. If you yeah. want to stop, get every, you know, try anything. Not everyone's as fortunate as I was. My poor brother has been trying to stop for years. He got down to three cigarettes a day. Then something went wrong and he started smoking even more. That's, that's the thing. It, it is easy to fall back into it. Helen, thank you very much. 08459 455 555. Oh, Del Shannon. Yes, please. Del Shannon, wonderful, wonderful. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, discrimination, <coughs> excuse me, against women who take maternity leave is on the increase. That's according to the charity Working Families. The charity aims to help parents, carers and employers strike better work-life balances. It says women face their pay being cut and people with caring responsibilities being asked to work unreasonable shift patterns. Well, Liz Gardner is Head of Policy there and joins me now. Morning, Liz. Good morning. Liz, how is this possible when there are so many rules to stop discrimination? I think it is quite shocking, actually, because there are, you're right. There's lots of really good, strong law out there that says, you know, this is illegal. But I think it's to do with the economic climate. And um, a lot of our callers are on really low incomes, and they know that if they actually raise the issues, they're in danger of losing their jobs. Um, and that means that this discrimination seems to be getting even more blatant than it has been before the recession. So exactly what kind of discrimination are they facing? Well, all kinds. I mean, we do have the extreme examples of uh, women who are actually just sacked when they're pregnant. Uh, we had one uh, one employer that uh, told her employer that one employee who told her employer she was pregnant, and she was said, "Well, you, they said you can take three months of maternity leave when she's entitled to twelve, yeah. or you can have your P forty five. You know, and there are those really what? blatant examples. But there's also lots of undermining of women as well. You know, so perhaps they're sidelined when they're pregnant, or they're demoted when they come back from maternity leave. So it's quite a range of problems here. You. <laughs> I can slightly, listen, that's saying you can, you can have three months or you can get on your bike, love, is, is outrageous. But I'm trying to imagine, if I were a small businessman and I employed maybe, I don't know, four people, um, <clears throat> I can see an argument for being slightly reluctant 
to employ women because they might take maternity leave, whereas a gentleman wouldn't. Do you see what I mean? If, if, if things are tight anyway, it, it, then having to pay someone to go on maternity leave and then get someone else in for nine months, 12 months, it could be a problem, couldn't it? Well, we, I, I have, you know, I do understand that, you know, having to arrange cover for maternity leave, you know, is, is not something that you're, you're going to say that's great. But, you know, there's an awful lot of myths around this. First of all, employers recoup all the cost of maternity pay if they're a small employer. They get all their money back from the government. So, you know, it's not about the cost. Um, and I think we need to start challenging those assumptions, actually, that it's women that are going to be taking the leave. Um, because at the moment, small businesses who think like that are actually just, you know, reducing their recruitment pools. They're only looking at the men. And the law's changing on this. Um, the government's really going to uh, try and encourage more shared parental leave. So you can't look at a woman and say well she'll be taking the time off because it might be the father in future that takes six months of leave so we've got to start challenging those assumptions and they're really outdated because you know businesses are not getting the best talent if they're thinking like that if, if there is a woman listening to this who's pregnant and is facing discrimination at work what what would your advice be to them well first of all it's important that she gets some urgent legal advice because if she wants to take this to the tribunal ultimately there are really strict time limits but first of all find out what your rights are so have a look at our help our web website and that's www.workingfamilies.org.uk or give our helpline a call because we've got legal advisors there who can talk you through the law and how it applies in your case um can i give you our helpline yes of course you can it's 0300 012 0312 and if you can't get through on that send us an email at advice at workingfamilies.org.uk Liz, thank you very much. We've got to end it there because we're running out of time. That's Liz Gardner, Working Families. You can Google them as well if you, uh, if you can't find them. Have you been discriminated against because you're pregnant? Because you, you want to take maternity leave? That's, that's the first question. And if you are the boss of a small company, and I'm not talking about Boots or Tesco's or, or, or John Menzies, I'm talking a small... You, you employ five people, four people. Would you be slightly more reluctant to employ a woman... Because you think, well, she, you know, she's 25. In a couple of years, she might want to go off and have babies. Have you thought like that? 08459 455 555. By the way, Paul Scoynes is fighting back on Facebook. It's getting nasty out there. Here's the travel with Adam. Beds, hearts and bugs travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. And on the M25, things are starting to slow down. Anti-clockwise, it's busy from the M1 at Junction 21 to 19 at Watford. It's also slow anti-clockwise, entering the stretch with the roadworks at Junction 25. So from there through to 23 at the A1M, do expect things to be quite busy. Starting to slow on the A1 if you're going toward Boreham Wood, southbound between Stirling Corner and Apex Corner. Traffic is getting busy. And it's also looking busy on the A405, usual spot approaching the M25 at Junction 21A. Other major routes, though, are doing fine this morning on the trains. If you're heading north, Virgin trains are disrupted between Lancaster and Crewe by a broken-down train. While into London, things are looking good, and the tube's now totally back to normal after a signal failure earlier this morning. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much, and thank you for your kind comments on Twitter. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Middle-class mishaps. How have you injured yourself in a middle-class way. Go to the Facebook page and see our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, lifting a coal scuttle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
Good morning, it's seven o'clock. I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines concern over standard of Bedford State Schools. Bogus caller warning as distraction burglars target Hertfordshire and cardinals gather for day two of the papal conclave. BBC Three Counties Radio. An education consultant from Bedford is so worried by poor standards in the town's state schools he's considering moving for the sake of his children. Trainee school inspector Tom Barwood is particularly concerned by the area's GCSE results, as our political reporter Paul Scoynes explains. Mr Barwood, who's a former teacher and governor at a local school, says he's prepared to relocate his two children, such is the concern he has about the offering of the secondary schools. He says just 54% of pupils achieve the top marks with English and maths, which is lower than the national average. The council says schools have been told to improve and a strategy is in place to do this. Government plans to end a scheme which helps people with severe disabilities to live at home will be challenged in the High Court later. Lawyers acting for a group of disabled people will argue that the Department of Work and Pensions has failed to carry out proper consultations on phasing out the Independent Living Fund. The American health expert appointed to lead a review of patient safety in England has said he wants to turn anger about the scandal at Stafford Hospital into action. Professor Don Berwick, a former advisor to President Obama, said there was no reason why the NHS could not be the safest healthcare system in the the world. He said he sympathised with the families whose loved ones died because of abuse and neglect at Stafford. I would say to them, I know you're angry, I'm angry too. And yes, you know, proper inquiry and, and, and accountabilities, of course we need to pursue that. But let's remember the best testimonial to the, the suffering of you and your family would be a healed and better NHS for the future. Police are linking the robbery of a shop in Milton Keynes on Monday afternoon with a similar incident in the area last month. Monday's robbery happened at the Tesco Express store in Greenlees. A member of staff was threatened with a knife and cash taken from the till. Police believe a white man of around 30 who's thought to be local also robbed a shop in Conneborough on the 22nd of February. Catholic cardinals will today resume their deliberations about who should be the next pope. They're due to vote twice this morning and twice this afternoon for a successor to Benedict XVI. Once two-thirds of them agree white smoke will be seen above the Sistine Chapel. In sport, the Arsenal manager Arsene Wenger has confirmed he's rested goalkeeper Wojciech Szczesny for today's Championship League last 16 second leg tie in Germany against Bayern Munich. Wenger says he's been mentally affected by the number of games he's had to play this season. Lukas Fabianski will be in goal with the Gunners trailing Bayern Munich 3-1 from the first leg at the Emirates. The weather dry and bright with occasional wintry showers and a top temperature of 2 degrees Celsius, that's 36 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties, BBC Three Counties Radio. First for news. We're talking middle class mishaps. Someone has tweeted me that a, a, a broadcaster on another radio station once, um, uh, let me just get this one. I can believe this. I know the <laughs> I'm person, worried. I know the person in question. No, no, don't worry. It's nothing like that. <laughs> no, uh, <clears throat> I think James O'Brien, who's an excellent broadcaster, I know very well, uh, got a blister once from stirring risotto. <laughs> <laughs> Middle-class mishaps, dear listener. I know James very well. I can, I can totally believe it. A blister from stirring risotto? I think I've heard him tell that story as well. We are asking you this morning... <laughs> ..about stuff. We're talking about um, the problem of homeless people in Milton Keynes... Are schools good enough in the three counties? We'll be looking at schools in particular in Bedford. Would you move out of the area to get your kids into a better school? 
and after the shock revelation that political reporter Paul Scoynes injured his back lifting a coal scuttle, we're asking for your middle class mishaps. Problems you could have avoided, but well, middle class life look, middle class life is just so difficult. Lifting my three year old out of his bed to put him into bed with me did my back in. Catherine Boyle speared her hand on an oil drizzler. Lots of ways to get in touch. If you want to go and argue with uh, political reporter Paul Scoynes, who's having uh, a meltdown, it would appear, then go to Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can text 81333, start your text 3CR. Put your name on, please. Or you can give us a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, an education consultant and school governor in Bedford, Bedford says he's considering moving from the town because he's so worried about the secondary education in the town. Well, Tom Barwood says poor GCSE results in the state schools in Bedford may force him to move to a better area. And he says other parents are considering doing the same. Well, Tom joins me on the line now. Morning, Tom. Good morning. Tom, what are you so worried about? The essential thing is, as a parent, is it's not the case of the results, it's more the lack of clarity uh, and the lack of transparency about what is actually going on. Um, so as a parent, you want to make informed decisions, and it's very, very hard when you're not given any clear and genuine information upon which to make those decisions. So what information are you saying is perhaps slightly muddied? Uh, everything from which school you go to, um, what the school actually has to offer, um, and more importantly, what is the kind of borough-wide uh, vision they have for where our schools are going to go? We've gone back and forth uh, in a kind of yo-yo motion. We've gone three-tier, two-tier, three-tier, some schools going three-tier, some saying two-tier. We have an academy. Just for those people who don't know, Tom, what, what does two-tiers and three-tiers mean? So basically, in Bedford, we still predominantly have a system where we have lower schools uh, and then as a transition point your children go to a middle school and then finally they go to an upper school for the kind of last um, three years of their education up to 16. Right uh, and, and there's, you're saying there's no kind of clear policy in the area on, on what's right and what you know they're, they're following different plans? Uh, well absolutely and uh, I suppose I speak as three three points one as a, as a parent of two small children my children are only six and four but there are progression routes that you kind of look at, um, and you want to have a degree of clarity around those. Um, I have two businesses I run from, from my, my home, um, and we have to think about a you know, long-term view as to where we're going to run those businesses from, and a big part of that is whether that fits with family life. Um, and if the local schools are not going to provide that clear progression route that you think will best serve your child's needs then you know you start to look elsewhere as to what can happen and so you are seriously considering moving out of bedford uh to to get your kids into uh, a school that you you support and you think is good enough no i wouldn't go as far as that actually i would say that uh, I, I live in bedford i've lived here for 20 years i moved here for two weeks 20 years ago i stayed for those other 19 years and 50 weeks because i absolutely love the place mm. it's the best town uh, you could ever want to live in um and that's the thing that frustrates me is, is i'm an educationist i go to schools all over the country it doesn't need to be like this <laughs> we have a democratically elected uh, mayor we have a unitary authority we should have all the power and all the control to have one of the best uh, education systems in the country um we've got great schools and we've got great kids and we have some really really hard-working 
dedicated head teachers and teachers, I know many of them, they're really passionate about what they do and they, they, they try the hardest, but constantly they're stymied by um, the powers that be just not having any real plan. As a governor, we're sent vision documents that are anything but, um, and I just don't know why nobody has the kind of uh, ability or, or, or uh, courage to stand up and say, this is where we're going, this is what we're doing. Every time we go back to the same answer, oh, well, we were only a two-tier, but then the government pulled the plug, took away our money, we didn't get building schools for future money, and we have a half-hearted kind of mishmash between the two, but it just leaves parents a bit like kind of passengers of a certain kind of cheap airline um, standing at the airport wondering, well, when is the plane going to arrive? Which, what do I do? And it's just lack of information. Well, Tom, we're going to be speaking to the council uh, uh, later on in the show. What would you say to them? What would I say to them? <laughs> Stand up, uh, decide what you actually really think is, is best for uh, the town, and actually make a statement about you know, what you're going to do. do. Do some clear policies. We have a, a different policy coming out every kind of few weeks that is then retracted and changed. Um, and open it to consultation. Ask the people of Bedford what they want. Um, too often it seems to be the case that uh, people talk about our good education system. We have some fantastic independent schools here. But it shouldn't be the case that that's something you feel you have to do rather than something you choose to do. And that somehow if you end up going to state schools, well, that's the best you can expect for, so don't complain. Do you think that the state schools are suffering because of the, the, the private schools in the area? Uh, no, no. Uh, it's a huge choice to make to decide to send your child to a fee-paying school. Uh, and there are plenty of towns where fee-paying schools exist and coexist very easily and, and happily alongside um, state-maintained schools. And you'd have to look at the new emphasis on those independent schools becoming more involved with the maintained sector. The Harper Trust are one of the main sponsors of the academy. Um, that the two can actually really benefit from each other. Uh, I think people send their children to an independent school for, for many other reasons uh, than just, you know, the, the education on offer. Have you spoken to other parents uh, about this, Tom? What's their view? Well, I am the community governor of uh, our local l lower school. Um, I'm very active in the community. I speak to a lot of people. And, yeah, people say the same thing over and over again. Uh, it's just a lack of clarity. People are caught uh, in the headlights just frozen, not knowing what's the best thing to do. What do I do to, to, to best serve my, my child? Um, and we can't, people don't want to afford to leave their children at the kind of uh, mercy of somebody else's indecision and wavering. Tom, thanks very much. Tom Barwood there, who is a parent, who lives in Bedford. He's also an education consultant and a school governor. Well, what do you think? Let's start with Bedford in particular. Are you happy with the, the, the schools, with the, the system they've got? Do you think, like Tom, there's a lack of clarity in their education plan 08459 four double five five double five and also around beds hearts and bucks how far would you go to get your kids the best education we just moved and the boys are three and one and we had to look you have to do that thing of looking at ofsted reports and school reports and well this is a really nice house but are we in a good catchment area for a good school would you move out of your area to get your kids into a better school they're clamping i remember there was a, a couple of years ago there were lots of people who were sort of buying flats you know right on the doorstep of a good school then renting it out so that they would be in the catchment area they, they would look like they're in the catchment area but would you actually move if uh, your kid didn't get into the school you wanted or there weren't any particularly good schools around you would you move somewhere else how far would you go oh eight four five nine four double five five double five 
Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. We're looking as well this morning for your middle class mishaps, injuries that you've you could only have got through being vaguely middle class. Um, the political reporter Paul Scoynes. If you go to facebook.com forward slash BBC Three CR, you will see him reenacting. It's 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 on a par with a crime watch reenactment. It's horrific. It's upsetting, but you just can't stop watching it. You'll see Paul reenacting the uh, the moment recently when he attempted to lift a coal scuttle whilst seated. And coal scuttles, when they've got coal in, I don't know if you know, they're quite heavy. They're quite heavy. Uh, Karen on Twitter says, My mum hurt her back, pulling up her knickers in the loo. Literally got stuck in the loo and couldn't move. That's a horrific image, really, Karen. (laughs) Candy Kisses. Ooh. Says, uh, the first time during military training, an idiot messed about on a hillside and I ended up being slammed into a tree stump. Dean says, I sneezed whilst eating my packed lunch at school. My mouthful of sandwich and crisps ended up all over my mate. But that's not an injury to you, you'd think. He goes on to say, I got punched. Um, uh, Yvonne Louise says, as a teen, I once accidentally skateboarded into a wheelie bin. I was a terrible skater. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. Dean says, I did my back doing the windmill at the age of 40. Still got it. Still got it. Middle class and household injuries. What have you done? 08459 455 555. And it's the 30th anniversary, <clears throat> excuse me, um, of, well, of, of National No Smoking Day. Do you smoke less? On the, oh, listen to me. My smoker's voice is coming back. <clears throat> Isn't that funny? I used to sound like that. I used to smoke a lot. And I, I stopped eight years ago, and it was the best thing I ever did. Not the best thing I ever did. That was probably having kids, but it's one of the best things. When you, when you turn 30 and you get out of breath walking upstairs, it's kind of, you kind of go, ah, maybe, maybe I should knock this on the head. I'll tell you how I did it. I tried patches for a while, but patches didn't work. Patches gave me the best dreams I've ever had, though. Oh, wonderful dreams. But it, it didn't work, and I was always slightly dubious of these um, remedies that involve you taking nicotine because you're still addicted so i read the alan carr book no not the gap tooth comedian <laughs> the um, the bloke who tells you how to stop smoking i read it and pretty much stopped smoking that was it you smoke while you're reading it and at the end you go oh, i don't really fancy smoking anymore and i stopped that was eight years ago last month oh eight four five nine four double five five double five i have to warn you justin dealey is out and about in the bb3 bbc three counties um batmobile uh, looking for smokers standing outside shivering in the freezing cold while you puff away on a fag so just be on your warn on your be on your guard you could be spotted you could be busted on the radio this morning Seven fifteen. travel news now adam glynn Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. And the only spot it's really slowing down is the M25. It's heavy in a few patches. First off, anti-clockwise at Junction 25 as you enter the stretch with the roadworks. Then again from Junction 21 at the M1 round to 19 at Watford. And from 17 at Maple Cross to 16 at the M40. I expect that will all sort of join up to one slow-moving train of traffic quite soon. Slow on the A1 as well, southbound through Borehamwood between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. On the trains this morning, a bit of disruption if you're heading north with Virgin Trains. They've had a broken-down train this morning between Lancaster and Preston, so that's causing delays. We've also got problems now in and around 
the area heading down toward London. Delays of 20 minutes for Virgin Trains. Milton Keynes Central to Euston because of a signalling problem between Milton Keynes and Bletchley. And that will be affecting London Midland services as well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. I've just been informed that the uh, story I read out about skateboarding is not a middle-class mishap. It's actually a working-class woe, and we'll be doing that on Friday. So apologies for that. Morning, it's 7.16, it's Wednesday the 13th of March. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. An education consultant from Bedford has raised serious concerns about standards in the town's state secondary schools. Government plans to end a scheme which helps people with severe disabilities to live at home will be challenged in the High Court today. In sport, Andy Murray is through to the fourth round of the Indian Wells Masters Series tennis event after a 6-3, 6-2 win over Yensu Lu of Chinese Taipei. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks dry and bright. Occasional wintry showers, top temperature of 2 degrees. Coming up, hostels helping the homeless in Milton Keynes are under pressure as the cold snap continues and waiting lists of people waiting for food and shelter grow. We'll hear more before 7.30. If you want to get in touch, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. No two days are ever the same on my programme. That's because I get to meet passionate local people. As usual, over a pint in the Queen's Head one night in Amtour, we said, hey, why don't we have a a pop-up cinema? And we just got together and we convert Parkside Hall into a cinema. Play loads of great music. The Birds, Mr Tambourine Man. Tell me which other show on the radio goes from Leanne Rhymes to Elvis Presley. And sometimes I try to learn new skills. And then you've got the white thread basically connected to these bobbins, which make... I may have messed them up. Nick Coffer, Monday to Saturday from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Always worth a listen. Don't forget, between myself and uh, Mr Nicholas Coffer, there is the excellent JV Yes, Jonathan Vernon Smith, of course, who is... uh, I've said this before, I'll say it again. He's one of the top three broadcasters in the country at the moment, without a shadow of a doubt. I'm not telling you who the other two are, and no, I don't count myself in that list. Uh, So always uh, worth a listen. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Talking about middle-class mishaps because of Paul Scoyne hurting his back. If Paul Scoyne doesn't walk in the studio now, he's going to get another middle-class mishap right up his... Paul Scoyne! (laughs) Hey, great to see you. High five. Hi, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Now, listen, um, we've uh, had you in earlier on talking about this this, uh, story in uh, Bedford, the Mm. education story in Bedford. But uh, what came out of that was the fact that um, you injured yourself fairly recently. Was this last night? Uh, it was at the weekend. It was at the weekend. Um, by lifting a... I lifted a coal scuttle, mm. and just refilling mm. the fire. Very cold, mm. obviously, over the weekend. So I, um, I awkwardly lifted a coal scuttle, stupidly, really, because I could have just got up on my... Uh, you know, I should have done it properly. Yeah, I've you... done the health and safety courses. Yes. I know how to lift. Oh, you turned up for that course, did you? That one. Right. And of course, you lift from the knees. Yes, you lift yes. from your knees, not from your back. No. And you put your back out. And you ask, you, you're walking with a stoop. Well, I'm walking trying to sort of change it. And um, I've been sleeping without a pillow. That that does make things better, yeah. apparently. Um, what? Yeah. Jonathan Vernon-Smith is able to click your back. If you want him to I, kneel on your, your I heard, buttocks and I heard that. That crack you. sounded quite painful. OK, well, uh, uh, Benjamin has, has said on the Facebook page, mm. um, I'm always hurting myself when I sleep in bed, as whenever I wake, I get pains in my back and shoulders. 
I either need a new mattress or a good doctor. Yeah. Well, we have put the footage of you injuring your back on facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Benjamin is the only person to actually contribute something positive. Mm. Um, Well, it depends how you look at it. Everyone else has remarked about you and what you look like. Right. Julie Morris-Smith says, Paul Scoynes doesn't look in real life like he does in my head. What does it look like in her head? I don't know. Mark Evans says, I second that. I thought he'd be much older. You do have a baby face. Thanks. It's not always, yeah, not always a compliment. You're a grown man. Oh. <laughs> Johnny Wiltshire says, <laughs> Oh, dear. He does look a bit like Marcus Brigstock, the comedian. <laughs> you do a bit. Do I? Have you not seen that up in the uh, the coffee area I'm upstairs? Trying, yeah. There's a picture of Marcus and a picture of you. Yeah. And you do look... I find that a bit uncomfortable. Like brothers. Mm. Karen Brennan says, uh, indeed, they have ruined the image <laughs> we built in our heads. We've ruined the image that she had in her head just by showing her a picture of you. I think that she had an image in my head of, of her head, maybe of me looking a little bit like Tom Jones. <laughs> Mark... <laughs> Mark says they should now give him a makeover so he looks how we think he should. <laughs> it's starting to get quite nasty and personal, and I'm, I'm hope I know that you're strong enough. Well, on the outside you're smiling, on the inside I imagine there are a few tears. Weeping. Now, what you've done is you've made the classic mistake, Paul. What? A of not looking like people imagine you look, <laughs> and B arguing with people on Facebook because you've did. now gone online. Yes, I went back and said, "Hang on, what do you what do you expect me to look like?" Well, no, what you've what you've actually said is. What do you guys think I should look like? Yeah. You've put should in capital letters. You've done two, two question marks. Yeah. That's getting feisty. And then I also revealed probably losing a bit of weight, which is my own internal demons. Exactly. So you've, you've, you've put a little comment in brackets, apart from being about two stone lighter. Ob, which I, I've looked up. That is short for obviously. Yeah, I shouldn't have used that. Okay. Well, just don't argue with them on Facebook. You, you, you can never win these battles. I'm going to win this one. You, you reckon? Yeah. If you want to argue with Paul Scoynes on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3C. You have opened up a topic for debate, though. And we're hearing about people injuring themselves, pulling up their knickers. Doing uh, the Superman dance. Oil, oil borers. Oil borers, yes. I, did, did I tell you about my... Uh, I, I hurt myself trying to cook Heston Blumenthal's triple-cooked chips. How did you do that? I, um, well, you have to fry them three times. Yes. And uh, on the third time, when you really jack the heat up, I, um, I, it, it boiled over and scalded my hand quite seriously. You jacked the heat up? Yeah. Okay. That's what he says you do. Or is that Oliver Bosch? Paul Scoynes, lovely to see you. Go off and, um, by the way, that coffee you gave me. Delicious. Wowzers. Yeah. Wowzers indeed. That's Paul Scoynes there, our political uh, reporter. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR if you want to have a look. And do let us know. The Miss, how have you injured yourself at home? Give us a call and uh, let us know. On to slightly more serious issues. Uh, You may remember, a few months ago, we spoke about homeless people in Milton Keynes. We found out the winter night shelter was due to close. It was a temporary shelter, only open for a few months. But with the weather being so cold recently, it's been flipping freezing. Well, I wanted to find out exactly what is happening. Well, earlier on in this show, we spoke to Simon Green. He's the housing manager for Milton Keynes YMCA and is director of the Winter Night Shelter project in MK, which has now closed. On, on the day the Winter Night Shelter closed, it was actually warm and sunny, so we were, we were quite happy that um, things had worked out quite nicely. And then, of course, we've been hit with this cold snap and, and things are difficult again. Um, we, I mean, we did manage this year, as, as the winter night shelter closed, we had rehoused everybody that was in the project. So, so on the last day, 
uh, everybody that had been staying with us, we found accommodation for. Um, but that was a few weeks ago, and I've got no doubt that there are people um, sleeping rough again. One final question, going off on a slight tangent. I've noticed uh, a few councils have kind of, um, th- th- particularly when I was in London the other day, uh, have got posters up saying, don't kill with kindness, don't give money, and don't give food or drink to homeless people. Now, I don't give money, but if, if I'm, quite often I'll, I'll buy someone a sandwich or a, a coffee or something. What's your take on that? Well, I think that's, um, that's a, a fair thing to do, and I think it's very difficult to walk past someone who, who's clearly in a vulnerable situation and not do anything. And, and my own view is that we shouldn't, um, we shouldn't try and prevent people from responding to, in a positive way to human nature, really. What I will say is that there has been some street begging in Milton Keynes, and, and um, from what I know of that, the people that are begging aren't often the people that are in most need. Um, so, you know, services such as ours tend to know more about people's circumstances. Um, we understand who genuinely is in need and who is maybe trying to exploit people, um, people's best nature, better nature. Um, so I, I would encourage people, really, if you do want to, to support services and, and help address homelessness, then supporting the organisations that are doing that is probably a more effective way. Ivan Palmer was homeless until he secured a place at the Fishermead Hotel. My relationship had broken down and um, I had to leave my, my property. There was children involved, so I had to leave and um, I had nowhere to live. You know, it just happened suddenly like that. Um, the first night I spent in my car, and that was it. Started from then. Did you know where to go next after that? No, to be honest, didn't know where to go or what to do. As I said, it started from my car. The first night when I realised that I couldn't go home because of what had happened, and um, under the circumstances, you know, um, I just couldn't go home. Didn't know where to go. How did you end up at Fishermead Hostel? Well, it was about um, three. About three months afterwards, from a car, sofa surfing, that I heard someone had been through the through the orbit, and said, um, "Is a possibility that you could um, go there and apply, and see how it goes from there." So uh, that's what I did. How difficult was that three months when you were sofa surfing? Oh well, put it this way: I've lost so much weight that I, when people looked at me, I was like a reproach unto them. I mean, speaking to you now, to be honest, I, f- I really, really feel like breaking down and cry because it, it was so scary. Really, really a scary place. You don't know what's going to happen after. You know, you don't know where you're going to have a bath. You know, if it wasn't for, like, friends that, you know, at times give you the opportunity to maybe stay a night or two at theirs and have a shower. You know, sometimes at theirs, you know, it's like the, really like the end of the world. And it's like being a man is like, <laughs> it's like you're a demon. So, you know, it's like being a man is even worse. I don't know what it's like for, for a woman, really, but, I, you know, I can only speak from my experience. You know, I've been to the council, I explained the situation, and it doesn't matter. Don't care whether you sleep under a bridge or... You're nobody, really. Nobody. It's scary. How much difference has the hostel made? What kind of support's available here? Oh, my gosh, it, it made a lot of difference. As a matter of fact, it was like a, it was like a prior been answered to be honest with you you know when you get accepted in the hostel and the day after you wake up finding yourself in a bed 
and you look at the, you, you've got four walls around you and you look you've got a little fridge you've got a little sink and you step out the doors and you've got bathroom and you know hygienic facilities and wow it's like i don't know what heaven is like i believe there's a heaven but i think it was the closest thing it was the closest thing you know honestly i was so glad i got up in the morning and i said you know what i said thank you lord you know it's oh, yeah it was a good feeling yeah wow. honestly that's uh, Ivan Palmer is, uh, with a very powerful story. And uh, a lot of people do look down on homeless. I genuinely think we're one or two bad decisions and one or two bad bits of luck away from being in that situation ourselves. Your marriage breaks down, you lose your job. Boom! You could be there. 08459 oh, four double five five double five on the subject of middle-class mishaps. You lot are well clumsy, if I'm honest. How have you injured yourself... Um, David uh, Graham says on Twitter, I injured myself with an all-too-rigorous three-round bout of Nintendo Wii Boxing. Ironically, on Boxing Day. Travel news now. Here's Adam Glynn. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Through Chesant, the A10 on the southbound side is queuing between College Road and Winston Churchill Way. Busy on the M25 clockwise now approaching the roadwork, so Junction 22 for St Albans is looking quite busy. And uh, 23, of course, at the A1M is where the roadworks start. Anti-clockwise is slow approaching the other side of the roadworks, 25 at Enfield. It's also busy from Junction 20 at Kings Langley to 19 at Watford and 17 at Mabel Cross to 16 at the M40. Looking at the cameras, traffic's moving, albeit slowly. Barnet Bypass on the southbound side through Boreham Wood. That is queuing between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. Not a massive queue and it's all on the move. On the trains, Virgin have disruption if you're heading north between Lancaster and Crewe. A broken down train causing issues for them there. They've also got delays for 20 minutes between Milton Keynes Central and Euston because of signalling problems between Milton Keynes and Bletchley. And that's affecting London Midland as well between Milton Keynes and Watford Junction. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. Another tweet from Joe. My late mum was peeling sprouts for dinner sneezed and slipped a disc in her back weeks in hospital dinner why would you bother peeling sprouts these days here's the news with Catherine Boyle getting beds hearts and bugs talking this is BBC Three Counties Radio Good morning, it's 7.30. The headlines, an education consultant from Bedford is saying a lack of vision from local government is holding the town's state schools back. Government plans to end a scheme which helps people with severe disabilities live at home will be challenged in the High Court later. And the American health expert appointed to lead a review of patient safety in England has said he wants to turn anger about the scandal at Stafford Hospital into action. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. New Zealand's cricket captain Brendan McCullum has paid tribute to the talent of the England skipper Alistair Cook. Speaking ahead of the second test between the two sides, which begins later today, he rated Cook's current free-scoring form second only to the Australian legend Don Bradman. He's obviously a genius batsman. His record is testament to that. And where he's at in his career at the moment is as good as anyone that's I guess, played the game, probably Baron Bradman. So you know, from our point of view, we look at it and we say we've just got to make sure we try and bowl on the areas that we think we are, uh, we're able to dismiss him. If he's good enough to overcome that, then so be it. 
In football, MK Dons faint League One promotion hope suffered another blow last night. The Dons lost 3-2 at home to Shrewsbury with Ryan Lowe scoring both those Milton Keynes goals. Stevenage also suffered defeat in League One. Borough were beaten 1-0 at home by Bournemouth. It left Stevenage boss Gary Smith trying to find positives from the loss. There were some good moments in that first 15-20 minutes, but we're certainly lacking inspiration in the final third. No lack of effort, no lack of determination and will to try and get back in the game. It's those finer points that are going to be the difference now. In League Two, Wickham Wanderers fought back to earn a two-all draw against Rotherham. The chairboys took the lead in the first half through Joel Grant, but their opp- opponents responded and were 2-1 up with 10 minutes to go before Gary Doherty equalised. Luton Town suffered a humiliating 2-1 defeat at home to strugglers Hyde in the conference. The Hatters went behind before equalising through Jake Howells, but relegation threatened Hyde, scored their winner in the second half, much to the annoyance of the home fans. And that's the latest news and sport. More from me at 8 o'clock. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up in the next 30 minutes, we'll be discussing more. Remember yesterday we were talking about Hightown in Luton and some of the residents have have started a petition to get rid of uh, two councillors that they think aren't doing an adequate job. Well, we'll be speaking to a couple of those residents and also uh, the PCC, uh, Ollie Martins, will be coming in to tell us exactly what is going on there. And Justin Dealey is out and about looking for you naughty, naughty smokers. It's National No Smoking Day. Are you doing anything about it, or are you going to do what I used to do when I smoked? Smoke more cigarettes? Yeah, that'll teach them. I'm going to give myself lung cancer. That'll teach them. 08459 555555. But we are uh, just getting some breaking news. Oh, yeah, OK. Well, yesterday uh, on the show, we broke the story that um, Charlie... We were desperately trying to find Charlie yesterday everybody was everybody here at the bbc was looking high and low for charlie normally you can anyway charlie the parrot is what we're referring to of course john from bedfordshire had lost charlie good morning john oh john are you there john we've lost john from bedfordshire now this really is turning into one of the greatest mysteries i've ever been involved with for those who don't remember john called up yesterday he'd lost charlie who was his giant parrot um, and uh, he uh, normally goes out for a little fly around. He'd lost his, his wife recently, the parrot, not, not John. Uh, he normally goes out for a little fly around in the morning and then pops back in, goes out and does his poos, comes back in um, and just kind of hangs out in the house. Except he didn't do that yesterday. John picks up the story. John from Bedfordshire, good morning. Good morning to you. Now, d- just remind us what happened yesterday to Charlie. Well, it was two days ago. Two days he, ago. Uh, yeah, he, he, he goes out in the morning sometimes, uh, sat on the rail, and ten minutes later he disappeared, which is very unusual. Now, we, we, we carried this in the news, um, and I'm sorry to say, John, we didn't get any feedback. We had people looking up at the skies all day and, and nothing. Has anything happened with Charlie? What's the latest? Well, we did get some feedback. Um, one of the vets put it out on Facebook, and uh, I got a call about 10 to see being sighted locally. Oh. But about half 11, I got a call from my wife as I'm searching the fields, and um, he flew back. He'd come back? Yeah, he's a homing macaw. Well, there you go. You see, I wonder if you could enter... Is that, is that him in the background? No, that's... No, no, he can't imitate dogs barking. Oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> can, he, can he do that, that talking thing that parrots do? No, he, well, the, 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 his missus that died last year, she could talk, but he's never talked at all. No. He could, she could talk for England. Well, he's back, and is he safe and well, John? Is everything fine with yeah, Charlie? Yeah, he's fine, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he suddenly just, a neighbour called us and said he was flying across because we're in the middle of 
some fields. And, yep. uh, yeah, he suddenly just came in, landed at the front door, went in, had plenty to eat and slept the rest of the day. So Wonderful, wonderful news, John. Send our best to Charlie and thank you very much for letting us know. Thank you. There we go. It's John from Bedfordshire. Charlie is back, dear listener. The panic is over. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's the day when smokers are being encouraged to finally kick the habit. It's the 30th anniversary of the first ever National No Smoking Day. One in five of us are smokers across the three counties, including some of our breakfast team. But kicking the habit is difficult. It's tricky. Two out of every three smokers have tried before, and a quarter have lost count of the amount of times they've tried. Well, Liz Fisher is from Hertfordshire Stop Smoking Service. Morning, Liz. Good morning. Liz, everyone knows the dangers of, of uh, smoking. Why do people still light up? Well, I think people really underestimate the power of the addiction. So when the majority of smokers as adults now um, all started when they were children. They all started when they were young, trying out new things and experimenting, never for a minute expecting to be smoking for the rest of their lives. So as an adult, when people want to stop smoking, they've underestimated the power of the addiction. And, of course, addiction to nicotine, we know, is a lifelong habit and it's both you know a physical habit an emotional habit and psychological so there's there's lots of reasons why people find it hard to stop there are those that start smoking later in life i started smoking when i was 19 and had a very long career of uh, of hardcore smoking well, obviously, the majority of people start smoking as young people, but there are other triggers why people start a bit later. And the younger you smoke, the more damage it does. And obviously, the longer you smoke, the more damage it does. So, you know, as you said, the majority of people know it's harmful, and at least two-thirds of smokers want to stop. So the most important thing is that they get the right help and support to do it. Does National No Smoking Day work? Because I remember when I... Well, I haven't smoked for eight years, but I remember being a smoker, and on, on National No Smoking Day, me and all my mates, we would smoke more cigarettes. There's something... I, I remember being a smoker, and I've spoken to other smokers about this. They do find those people saying, well, you should really give up. They do find them quite pious and irritating, don't they? Well, and I, I, would, I would absolutely agree, but you see... No, no smoking day is not about telling people to quit it's about an invitation to quit and i think that's the different the difference when you're when you're not in the right mindset to stop smoking no matter what anybody tells you including you know your family doctor or your um consultant at the hospital when you're dying from a smoking related disease if people tell you to stop actually that makes you more resistant doesn't it because you think actually I don't want to be told what to do. But let's face it, the majority of people want to stop. So No Smoking Day is about giving people encouragement, inviting them to participate and to give it a go. It's never, ever about telling people to stop because that's not how it works. You've just given a really good example yourself that, you know, you can become quite contrary if people don't tell, if people tell you to stop doing things. It is very much about motivating, about giving people confidence and then giving them the ability to stop smoking. If someone comes you, to you, sorry, Liz, if, sorry. Sorry, sorry, if someone comes to you for advice, what, what, what advice do you give them? Well, for, firstly, I would say always get help because the majority of people who 
have a go on their own, don't use any medication, or if they do use um, medication, they don't use enough of it or, or in the right strengths. Um, and I would always say, if you get help, use a bona fide stop smoking service because they've got trained individuals who, who know about motivation, who know why people continue to smoke, um, and they also understand all the different reasons why people want to stop because people don't all want to stop for the same reason. Now, National No Smoking Day, the mantra this this year is swap fags for swag. Now, that doesn't agree with everybody, but financially, a lot of smokers would be hugely um, so much better off by stopping smoking. So the financial motivation is really important for some people, but not all. Um, and other reasons about health, about their children, about thinking about becoming pregnant. You know, there's lots of other reasons why um, people might want to do it. And it's understanding that motivation, why people want to do it. And also understanding, you know, most people that we see have tried lots and lots of times before. So it's about understanding what they've tried before, what's important to them, what the barriers are, you know, what is it about their lifestyle, what do they need to change what can't they change that we need to help them with um and by seeing somebody weekly and having telephone support or support by using our website they're all different ways that we can help people liz very quickly give us the website so people can have a little look at that later um the website is smokefreehertfordshire.nhs.uk um and the free phone number is 0800 3893998 but anybody from beds hearts or bucks if they use that number or that website will direct them to their local service wherever they happen to live or work liz that's great Go, keep fighting the fight liz, liz fisher from hertfordshire stop smoking service well we've sent our fag correspondent justin Dealey out and about to find all of you naughty little smokers justin whereabouts are you yes naughty people naughty <laughs> naughty <laughs> just naughty what i'll what? tell you what talk I, I, I haven't had a cigarette for eight years mm. i really fancy a roll up now oh don't do it don't uh, no, no do i'm not it. going to but I all this talk is, is is whetting my appetite absolutely and liz was talking there about the cost if you're smoking 20 cigarettes a day around eight pound a packet two thousand nine hundred and twenty pounds yep. it's a lot of money every year i was in Luton earlier and there were smokers absolutely everywhere i'm now in harpenden it's taken me 30 minutes to find two of them oh that's interesting so, yeah, very, absolutely and um i've been asking those smokers whether this day the national no smoking day will make any difference whatsoever and this is what they had to say. Well, Joe, it is National No Smoking Day. Is that going to make you stop for just one day? Are you in favour of these national days? No, no, I've stopped before. I've stopped before for six months or something like that, but I like to do things in my time, my way. So today means absolutely nothing to you at all? No. Well, you've spoken about 11 cigarettes a day. How long can this continue for, money-wise? Because cigarettes cost an absolute fortune now. I mean, you must have plans in the near future to give up again, surely? Yes, but it's got to be done on my terms. Just last year, that, that, that's the point I was going to make so, to any non-smoker listening to this. It says, oh, come on, it's easy to give up smoking. I know loads of people that have done that. No, what do you say to those people? It's easier to give up alcohol, to give up a lot of things. It's very, very hard to give up smoking. I've tried about four times. The most, the longest I've gone is six months. What got you back to smoking <laughs> after six months? It was an innocent thing, you know, a conversation, reading a book or something like that. Picked up, a, found an old pack of cigarettes, stale as they were, smoked it. The pleasure's back there. The pleasure sentinels are tickled again, and that's it. But Joe, listen, best of luck when you do give up. Thank mm, you very much indeed. No, thank you. Well, Tony, you're a smoker. How many a day, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, 25. 25 a day, and yeah. for how many years? Ooh, 30. 
Wow. Okay. So, with it being National No Smoking Day today, will you put those cigarettes away and not smoke today? No, I'm just going to light one up in a minute. <laughs> so today means absolutely nothing, nothing to at all. all. No. Can you tell don't. us why? Not really. Uh, there's so many things that we're not supposed to do now. Drive me potty, you know. We're not supposed to drink more than two pints of beer a day. So. I mean, are you not concerned that all those years, all those cigarettes, does that not concern you at all? No, no. And another thing is, my wife, who didn't smoke, does now, and has the last two years, has got myelo- multiple myeloma, which was caused by what? Definitely not smoking. You know what I mean? It's what comes around does come to you in the end. What comes around does come to you in the end. And I would love to tickle your pleasure centre, Justin. <laughs> That's a great line. That's a brilliant I, line. I was reading a book and, uh, yeah, so I got a stale packet of cigarettes out of the drawer and that was it. The uh, sensation, the tingling the sensation pleasure was sen- The pleasure centre was tickled. Yes, it was wonderful. So the, 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 you, you, found, you found it easy to find smokers in Luton, yep. not so easy in Harpenden. No, absolutely. Now, Healthy bearing Harpenden. Mind, bearing in mind we got to Luton this morning at 6am yep. uh, by the train station there. They were all smoking, lots of people there. We could have been there all morning to talking to smokers there, but in Harpenden, they kept saying to me, oh, the smokers will be here. Well, I got there just after 7, and mm. I found two of them between 7 and 7.30. So certainly, uh, from what I can tell you, at Harpenden train station, that is, not many people are smoking there. It must be healthy, Harpenden. Healthy, and also, it's, it's freezing cold. When I was a smoker, you could smoke indoors. I was watching a film last night. I was watching Robert Altman's Shortcuts, and there was a scene, and I was watching the scene thinking, what, what, why does this look so odd? What's yeah. wrong with this scene? And it was because a guy walks into a restaurant and lit a cigarette up. Yeah. And of course, you used to be able to do that 10, 15 years ago. Absolutely. We and now you've got to stand outside in the freezing cold. Well, two points. Uh, the man in the first hour we spoke to in Luton said uh, he's a non-smoker. He wants to see smoking back in pubs because he feels that the smoking ban has killed his local pub. He's not fussed if people are smoking next to him. Mm. And um, secondly, we spoke to a smoker and I said, it's freezing cold. Do you think you look like an idiot when you're outside your office and you're smoking? He said, yes, I look even more of an idiot when it's raining, but I want to carry on smoking. Justin, where about you off to you next, sir? I think back in Luton, potentially, talking to more smokers and uh, finding out whether this national day, no smoking day, will it make any difference to them whatsoever? Good lad. Can I get a fried egg roll, please? Uh, yes, you can. Excellent stuff, Justin Dealey. Out and about. 7.45. Here's the travel news now. Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. We're not doing too badly on the roads across the Three Counties this morning. Things do seem to be moving all right on the major routes. It's starting to slow in fits and starts, as you know, around the M25. Clockwise looking busy from Junction 22 at London Coney to 23 at the A1M on the approach to the roadworks. Also busy now anti-clockwise, and the traffic starts around the M11 at Junction 27, heading through to 25 at Enfield and the other end of the roadworks. It's also busy from Kings Langley to Watford, Junction 20 to 19, and from Chorleywood to the M40, Junction 18 to 16. But it's not doing too badly. Looking at the cameras, everything's definitely moving. No accidents reported either, which is always good. On the A1, going southbound, it's busy at the Black Cat Roundabout, where it meets the Bedford Road and the Great Barford Bypass. Barnet Way through Boreham Wood, that's still slow southbound between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. You're going to find a few queues in Chesant. The A10's looking slow between College Road and Winston Churchill Way. And the train's virgin disruption if you're going north between Lancaster and Crewe because of a broken down train. And if you're heading into London, delays of up to 20 minutes for both Virgin and London Midland because of a signalling problem between Milton Keynes and Bletchley. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. 
It's nearly 7.47. It's Wednesday the 13th of March. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. An education consultant from Bedford says a lack of vision from local government is holding the town's state schools back. Government plans to end a scheme which helps people with severe disabilities to live at home will be challenged in the High Court today. In sport, Andy Murray is through to the fourth round of the Indian Wells Masters Series tennis event after a 6-3, 6-2 win over Yen Su Lu of Chinese Taipei. Coming up, we told you yesterday of the concerns uh, of residents in Hightown in Luton that they had about drugs and prostitution, and they'd launched a petition to oust councillors they accused of doing nothing. Well, before eight, we'll be joined on the show by the Police Commissioner for Bedfordshire, Ollie Martins, along with Shazad Kadam, who runs a convenience store in the area. But before that, let's get the latest weather with Wendy Hurrell. Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, good morning. The temperature out there at the moment still hovering around the freezing mark, but there is at least some sunshine to enjoy first thing this morning. We should hold on to yet more of that as we go through the day, but increasingly we're going to start seeing some showers. They will be of wintry nature. I don't think they're going to sort of settle any snow or anything like that, perhaps just a dusting over higher ground. But some of the heavy ones could have some hail and some thunder mixed up with them as well. Uh, They're going to be few and far between, I think, for our part of the world. Some sunny spells continuing and temperatures getting to five or six degrees celsius throughout the night if you have seen one or two showers around during the afternoon they will be fizzling out and for many of us it's going to be a very cold clear night temperatures in the countryside could be well below freezing minus fives and sixes something like that and it will be a frosty start to the day tomorrow as a result as we go through the day tomorrow lovely sunny skies once again just a chance of a wintry flurry here and there and then it's all changed for friday and into the weekend the wind swings around to the southwest and picks up it will be quite blustery and it's also going to bring in some rather more unsettled weather for us with some bits and pieces of rain around as well and that's how it's looking this morning tackling your consumer problems on bbc three counties radio my son took it to, back to the, the garage the mechanic says yeah i know what it is so they took it in done what they had to do and the car was still the same still doing the same thing the jvs show fighting for your rights the long and short of it is he agreed that he would replace the car if you have a consumer problem we can do the same for you i'd like to thank you and your team for everything you've done we wouldn't have got where we got without you it's a pleasure i'm gonna call that a result any other problems you know where i am Stuart. The JVS Show. Fighting for your rights. Weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, we told you yesterday of the concerned residents in Hightown in Luton uh, that they were concerned about drugs and prostitution and had launched a petition to oust councillors they accused of doing nothing. Well, in December, the police commissioner for Bedfordshire told this programme he'd meet local residents to talk about what's being done to tackle the ongoing problems in the area. Well, Ollie Martins is in the studio now, along with Shazad Kadam, who we spoke to yesterday and runs a convenience store in the area. We also spoke yesterday to Wendy, who lives in Hightown, and she joins us on the phone. Morning, Wendy. Hello. Wendy, we'll come to you in a second. We'll speak to... Uh, morning, Shazad. Morning, Ian. Morning, Ollie. Thank you for coming in. Morning. It's just, uh, very nice to see you. You have come in. The two councillors in question uh, uh, have not come in. What have you done, personally, Ollie, to, to tackle this situation in Hightown? Uh, well, the police are currently running an operation called Operation Turtle, uh, and as a result of that operation, uh, over 100 people have been arrested um, and over 100 people have been stopped and searched. Uh, and the volume of complaints from police, uh, from sorry, from residents, has fallen from 300 a month to 90 a month. So it would seem to be having some effect on the problem. 
Uh, so, so you, I mean, those those are a significant number of, of arrests that that have, that have been made. What, what kind of areas are, are they tackling in Hightown? Uh, it's largely the curb crawling. Right. Uh, but it's also been drug-related offences. One of the things that frustrated uh, the residents was the length of time that it was a it was a long-term strategy, as opposed to being a kind of a zero-tolerance blitz on the area. It was a long-term strategy. Uh, would you say that, that things are improving around the prostitution in particular? Well, I think the fact that the volume of complaints from residents has fallen from 300 to 90 suggests that it is. But, uh, you know, this is... Um, prostitution is is the oldest profession in history. Um, and uh, I think if there was an easy solution to the problem, someone would have uh, put it into operation by now. So it is about a long-term approach. Uh, it's also not only a policing problem. I mean, we need uh, our partners to work alongside us as well. Shazad, arrests are being made, complaints are down. It does. I've got the figures here for the arrests. It, it, it does look like things are being done. Can I firstly just um, congratulate um, Oli for actually coming in and defending and saying, you know, like he said, he will come in. And he's done that, unlike our councillors, who obviously still refusing to come on. So they've got a lot to answer for. So, you know, I want to congratulate him on that. Uh, He's proven me wrong. And um, going back to what Ollie's just actually said, uh, I just wanted to find out whether that was a high town in Luton or if that was somewhere else, because you know I don't seem to notice any difference at all. Um, you know, just two nights ago, I had two incidents, and um, you know, on one of the incidents, I actually found out from one zero one, and the operator on the other side actually heard the verbal abuse I was receiving from one of the prostitutes. So I, I don't know, you know, where these figures have come from. You know, maybe someone in the office somewhere is sitting there. Well, and Ollie said it. You can ask him. You can ask him. Um, I mean, well, I, I tell you what, you know, what, what Ollie said and what we said on your show when we came in December. Mm. And, uh, you know, we, we did agree that he's new to the job and we've yeah. got to give him but what's an your question? What's your, what's your My question, question is, you know, what's the one thing that you've actually, yourself, you've done to solve the crime and the prostitution in the high town area, what's the one thing that you've changed since you took over your role? Well, my job is to be the police commissioner for the whole of Bedfordshire, and um, that is a very strategic role rather than getting involved in operational matters. And the policing of High Town is an operational matter. And what I would say is that um, I think it's, although I appreciate the problems that some residents are having. Actually, the biggest problem in the county and the biggest problem in High Town as well, and the biggest concern that residents have is issues about burglary, robbery, violent crime. You know, last week we did an Operation Vision in High Town where we went knocking door to door that's the PCSOs, police officers, cadets, myself um, and that exercise confirmed that the and much to my surprise, in fact, but that exercise concerned that the, uh, confirmed that the biggest concern among residents in Hightown, in common with residents across the county, is those issues of burglary, assault, um, and robbery. Well, let's speak to Wendy. And Wendy. not and not. Um, but the, Wendy's the a resident. Sex, the sex. Wendy, what problem didn't didn't come up as much as I'd expected? What, what, what is what? You're a resident of Hightown, Wendy. What, are you more concerned about burglary than you are about the prostitution and the drugs? Well, firstly, I'd like to say good morning to Ollie, and it is nice that he has made the effort to come. 
Um, I would also like to congratulate the Luton Police on their most magnificent efforts for us. They're bending over backwards because, unfortunately, we're getting no other help from anywhere else. But, unfortunately, I didn't see Ollie. Um, but um, well, I would have really liked to have because I would have told him exactly. Well, Wendy, maybe you were out. He's here now. You can tell him now. Yes, I most definitely will. That Ollie, um, you know, if you were to come and speak to the grassroots people... Um, uh, well, that is exactly who I was talking to. Yes, but in my area... Perhaps you didn't get to round near us, I don't know, but then you'd know how we well, I knocked, I knocked on doors on I knocked on doors on Old Bedford Road. Look, I'm not I'm not saying there's not a problem. What I'm saying is that there has to be a balance in the way that police resources are deployed and I cannot, as police and crime commissioner, I cannot take my eye off the ball in terms of the massive uh, well not massive, but you know, the fact that people's prior top priority across the county is those issues of burglary robbery and violent crime. Yes, but what I'd like to say to you, Ollie, is if you look at a map of Luton and you put a little cross on every area that's blighted by prostitution, you go across a massive area. And I'm not saying burglary, and that isn't a terrible crime, it is, but what we have to live with daily, 24-7, round the clock, that, that our councillors refuse to even acknowledge. Well, but Wendy, Wendy. You know, it's terrible. Ollie is, Ollie is coming with statistics and, and has said that, that there have been arrests, that, that yeah. curb crawling has been arrested, that, that complaints, there are fewer complaints to the police about these things. So it, it would look like on the surface that he's doing an effective job, wouldn't it? Well, I'm not knocking Ollie, and as I said, the police are doing a magnificent job. But you walk around our area any time and you will still see prostitutes. You talk to the shopkeepers in Hightown and they will tell you their business is nearly zilch because people dare not and will not go into Hightown. And also, probably what Ollie doesn't know is that a lot of people are so fed up they don't report things anymore they just grin and bear it we have to do it ourselves in this area and people including myself we are so weary and so tired Ollie, she's got a point. Maybe maybe people are just the, the re well, reporting to the police could be down look, because I, people are tired of it and uh, nothing gets done <laughs> we went door to door in high town right including on old bedford road how, how many and doors we gave, did you knock on we gave we they not the police knocked on every door in that area right. how many doors during, did you knock during on? about four hours right um and we gave people, you know, it wasn't a, wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a question of but, sitting somewhere waiting mean, for though, people to come to us. That you're it having to prioritise then. That you're having so because more people are concerned about burglary and assault that prostitution gets ignored. No, it doesn't mean it gets ignored. I've just told you about Operation Turtle that the police are running. Okay, but so then they, they you keep are... referring to these, the, the, the fact that, that more local residents apparently uh, were concerned about uh, um, burglary and assault. But and that's, robbery. Okay, but that's that's but that's that's irrelevant then. If you're still looking at prostitution, why why are you prioritising? Because that's my role as police and crime commissioner. To prioritise. To prioritise. Yeah. So, I mean, so prostitution yeah, are, is getting are... is getting a back seat compared to to, to it, the things you. Just it always ha it always has. <laughs> There is an operation running to deal with it, right? right? But if you're prioritising, then I'm some saying, things are getting less attention saying, than others. Yeah, that's right. That's right. right. Because, and you're happy with that. You're happy with that. I'm prepared to defend that, absolutely. I okay. mean, you know, my, my budget is 
getting hammered, there's a 20% reduction. Right. 19 million pounds we've had to strip out of the police budget okay. in five years. Okay, but so, Shazad doesn't so care my about role, that. Wendy my doesn't role care is, about that. No, but my job isn't just to listen to the people that shout the loudest, is it? It's to balance... The, but it's, it's, but it's to, to listen to the residents. People's concerns. It's to listen to the residents. And, uh, and it, I went and knocked on doors in Hightown, and I listened to the residents. How many doors did you knock and on? What they, we not, the police how knocked, many doors did you knock on? The police knocked on all the doors. How many doors did you knock on? I can't remember how many doors I Ten? knocked on. Ten? Thirty? Something like that. Ten? Look, it was a consultation exercise. Well, no, I'm just asking. You're making a big thing I about know. you knocked on doors. I'm just asking how many doors you knocked on. Ten? Well, it's not me personally. There were, so a, you, there were a dozen PCSOs and cadets and... The, the feedback so is... Did you knock on doors yourself? I'm just yes, confused. Yes, I did, yes. How many did you knock on? I don't know, about ten. It's not many, is it? <laughs> it's not many. Look, it doesn't have to be me personally knocking on the door. But you were saying it was you that knocked on the door. I'm just flagging that up because I you brought there, that up. I was there and I spoke to those right. people as well. Yeah. And the issues that ten. I heard from people... Was burglar was burglary? But so you are prioritising, and, and the, so prostitution and is taking issues, a backseat. The issues that PCA, the PCSOs and the yep. cadets, or, cadets also heard was burglary. Okay, so, but so you are just to clarify, Ollie. Sorry, that you are you are therefore prioritising, and prostitution is way down the list compared to to the things you've just mentioned there. There is an operation running, in terms of. But and, are you prioritising? Yes, I am prioritising. So I'm not going to stop the a the action that is being taken to catch burglars. Where on the list is prostitution, though? Well, it doesn't quite work like well, that. Well, if there's I'm a priority, then you must be. You said burglary, you said assault. What else is above prostitution? Where is it on the list? I don't... It doesn't... It's about how much resource you put into it. How right? much resource are you putting into the prostitution, then? Well, there are... Zero. No, it's not zero. Otherwise, there wouldn't have been 100 people arrested and 100 people stopped and searched and the volume of complaints wouldn't have gone down from 300 to 90. So that's, but that, 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 those, those arrests are over a two-year period, aren't they? From October 2010. Is that right? No, I think it's, uh, it's a shorter period than that. O Operation, Operation Turtle was originally launched during a media campaign in October 2010. Yeah, but operation, the current operation has only been, the, I mean, the sergeant that is now de dedicated to this issue has only been in place since December. OK, so those hundred arrests are since December? I'm not, sh I'm not sure when they're from. Okay, dokie. Listen, we're, we're, we're running like Shazad. You've got 20 seconds to, to put your final point to Ollie. Well, um, Ollie, I don't think you've done anything at all. The, the doors you knocked, I think you knocked on empty doors. Um, you haven't had listened to any of our concerns, and we've always known in Hightown that the Hightown area is a tolerance zone. The police and the council are happy. Okay, so that we're right. that's, you want that's, just that? not, that's just not true, but as I say, it's not my job to just listen to the people who shout the loudest. And quite frankly, I think part of the problem is that... Um, you know, we keep having slots like this that actually high highlight that if you want sex, then Hightown is the place to go. And I've got to tell you, the message that I'm giving out in response to that is that if you get caught curve crawling once, you will get friendly words of advice. If you get caught twice, there will be a letter going to your household that your wife might see that you are going to Hightown looking for sex. And if you get caught three times, you will be prosecuted. And in conclusion, you're not saying that, that, that we are advertising 
we're making the situation worse by reporting the concerns of local residents on this show, are you? Unfortunately, I think that's the impact that it may have, yes. Wow. And that's why it's very important for me to get the message out wow. that the police won't tolerate curb crawling okay. in Hightown. Excellent stuff. Thank you very much. That's uh, Ollie Martin. She's at Gadam. And Wendy, a little bit later than normal. Let's go and get the travel news now with Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers in the A5 through Dunstable. Heavy traffic between the A505 and the M1 at Junction 9, though the M1 is moving okay this morning. Busy on the A41 from Hemel Hempstead through to the M25 and very slow on the A10 round Chesant with queues between College Road and Winston Churchill Way. Also slow round Watford this morning. Chalk Hill at the Bushy Arches is looking busy and Rickmansworth Road, the A412, is slow at the Town Hall roundabout. M25 is slowing all the time. Anti-clockwise from Junction 18 at Chorleywood to 16 at the M40 particularly. On the trains, delays of up to 10 minutes now. Milton Keynes through to Euston because of signalling problems between Milton Keynes and Bletchley. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Chaps, we'll have to carry on this night with the argument is, is raging and Ollie Martin is leaving the studio with uh, looking not particularly happy. Shazad, nice to see you. Thank you, gentlemen. Well, that was uh, a little bit tense. Uh, let's get the news now. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning at 8.03. I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines claims Bedford State Schools are being held back by a lack of vision. Disability campaigners fight to keep independent living fund and cardinals gather for day two of Papal Conclave. BBC Three Counties Radio. An education consultant from Bedford says a lack of vision from local government is holding the town's state schools back. Tom Barwood says not enough information is given to parents. Everything from which school you go to, what the school actually has to offer and more importantly, what is the kind of borough-wide vision they have for where our schools are going to go. We've gone back and forth uh, in a kind of yo-yo motion. We've gone three-tier, two-tier, three-tier, some schools going three-tier, some saying two-tier. As a parent, the lack of clarity uh, and the lack of transparency about what is actually going on. Government plans to end a scheme which helps people with severe disabilities to live at home will be challenged in the High Court later. Lawyers acting for a group of disabled people will argue that the Department of Work and Pensions has failed to carry out proper consultations on phasing out the independent living fund. The winter homeless shelter in Milton Keynes has closed as we head into spring, but its organisers are concerned the recent cold snap and a lack of alternative facilities means that people are sleeping rough in freezing conditions. Simon Green from the YMCA says the financial situation means demand is rising, while Charities like his are having their funding cut, but he warned against giving money to people on the street. There has been some street begging in Milton Keynes, and and, um, from what I know of that, the people that are begging aren't often the people that are in most need. Um, So, you know, services such as ours tend to know more about people's circumstances. Um, We understand who genuinely is in need and who is maybe trying to exploit people's best nature, better nature. Police are linking the robbery of a shop in Milton Keynes on Monday afternoon with a similar incident in the area last month. Monday's robbery happened at the Tesco Express store in Greenleys. A member of staff was threatened with a knife and cash was taken from the till. Police believe a white man of around 30 who's thought to be local also robbed a shop in Conibra on the 22nd of February. Catholic cardinals will today resume their deliberations about who should be the next pope. They're due to vote twice this morning and twice this afternoon for a successor to Benedict XVI. Once two-thirds of them agree, 
debris, white smoke will be seen above the Sistine Chapel. In sport, the Arsenal manager Arsene Wenger has confirmed he's requested he's resting goalkeeper Wojciech Skechny for tonight's Champions League last 16 second leg tie in Germany against Bayern Munich. Wenger says he's been mentally affected by the number of games he's had to play this season. Lukas Fabianski will be in goal instead with the Gunners trailing Bayern 3-1 from the first leg at the Emirates. Finally, the weather dry and bright with occasional wintry showers and a top temperature of 2 degrees Celsius. That's 36 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio. First for news. What's it like up there? As, as tense as it is down here? Um... <laughs> A little bit uncomfortable. There was a proper Barney when we went off air. A little awkward. To cheer things up, do you want to hear me click my thumbs? Right, OK, yeah, go on. Yeah? Well done. You wait till I click my toes. That's a party piece. That's a party piece. Morning, dear listener. We're a little bit behind schedule. I do apologise. I've been very busy. If you missed the last 20 minutes of the show, I thoroughly recommend... if you. If you like listening to uncomfortable, awkward radio and arguments, go and listen to the last 20 minutes of the show on uh, the iPlayer. I think both gentlemen left unhappy. Shazad, the shopkeeper, and Ollie Martins, the uh, police and crime commissioner, both left unhappy. It would be fair to say they stormed out. I... I think I was impartial then. I'm going on an interviewing course in May, so maybe I'll, maybe I'll find out. Maybe I'll play this as an example. I think I was as impartial as one could be then. I, I'm confused. Anyway, lots coming up on the last hour of the show, including... Are you happy with the schools in your area? Apparently schools in Bedford are struggling and people aren't happy. And it's National No Smoking Day. It's the 30th anniversary. Are you giving up smoking or are you kind of sticking up two fingers to the non-smokers and smoking more? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can text 81333, start your text 3CR, or you can give us a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. An education consultant and school governor in Bedford says a lack of vision for the town's schools is forcing some parents to move to other areas. Tom Barwood says poor GCSE results in the state schools in Bedford mean parents are left scratching their heads about where to send their kids. It doesn't need to be like this. We have a democratically elected mayor, we have a unitary authority, we should have all the power and all the control to have one of the best Uh, education systems in the country. Um, We've got great schools and we've got great kids and we have some really, really hard-working, dedicated head teachers, but constantly they're stymied by mm, the powers that be just not having any real plan. Well, uh, yes, I do. Sorry, sorry, I'm looking at the script here. David Sawyer is the Lib Dem councillor in charge of education and children's services. Morning, David. Good morning. Also on the line is his Conservative opposition, Jane Walker, who chairs the committee overseeing his department. Morning, Jane. Good morning. Now, David, we'll start with you. This gentleman told us uh, in briefing interviews that he was thinking of moving. It's a pretty bad indictment of the school system in Bedford, isn't it? Well, he he doesn't need to move. I mean, let me be very clear. We we have a very clear vision and strategy for the schools in Bedford. There are two basic objectives. All our schools should be good or outstanding in the Ofsted sense, and all our schools should get uh, standards of achievement above national average standards. And we are getting there. But that's that's not happening now, is it? 
Well, it is. In fact, uh, the latest Ofsted League tables show that 85% of children attending our lower and primary schools go to good or outstanding local schools, which is great news. And in addition, in the the last year, 7 out of 8 of schools inspected by Ofsted were either good or outstanding. The GCSE results aren't great, are they? They're not as good as they want to be, and we're working very hard to improve that. But as I say, we're setting very clear objectives for all our schools, working very closely with the staff, governors, parents and children, I believe we are on the way to achieving the desired improvement. Jane, what do you think to what Dave has just said? Well, for a long time, Bedford has been struggling in in terms of where where we are on the league tables, the number of children achieving GCSEs, good GCSEs with English and maths. But, and and we haven't had a vision. We had, we had a... a very a lot of money that was due to come to the borough in terms of building schools for the future, and we had a plan then. That went, um, the money went, and there was no plan after that. And I think that's where we've been floundering. The schools have been saying we've got no leadership. What, what are we doing now? David, there's no plan. Well, that's not the story we get. We do have a plan. As I say, we have a very clear plan and very clear targets, and we work closely with our schools to achieve these targets. These are not just targets invented by the local authority. These are the targets the schools themselves are working towards, and we are going to achieve them. What's all this dithering, David, over the the two-tier, three-tier system? Well, as Jane mentioned, uh, the government was the previous government was going to give us an enormous slug of money to uh, convert all our local schools. That didn't happen, so we're we're um, we're, we're not um, going to make any conversion. I mean, we're basically a three-tier authority. In certain areas, we made conversion. For example, we had um, the government did give us twenty-five million pounds to build a brand new school at the Bedford Academy, and we've done that. Part of the deal was to make that area a two-tier area, and we're doing that as well. So, hang on, sorry, are you a three-tier or two-tier area? Three-tier. You, but you've made that a two-tier school. Because uh, we got some uh, £25 million of government money to do that. And if the government, given the difficult financial circumstances, if the government does offer us money, we're going to take it because we can build new schools and improve the quality of education for our community. David, are you going to lose all your schools to academies? No, I don't think so. In fact, the vast majority of our schools are not academies, and they want to work with the local authority. But, Uh, Jane, you want that to happen, don't you? Well, I think if schools want to become academies, we should support them and help them through that process because it gives accountability to, back to the head. It makes them masters of their own destiny. So I, I'm in support of academies, but I think we can still offer services to them as a, as a local authority. If our services are good enough for academies to buy, then they're good enough for the schools who haven't become academies, and that's what I think we should aim for. How are both of you going to satisfy parents like Tom? David, let's start with you. Well, I've already talked about our clear vision and strategy and and that the schools are achieving the standards that uh, Mr. Barr will wish to aspire to. As I say, 85% of our children are attending uh, good or outstanding lower primary schools. Jane? Well, we're working with the schools as governors and and there is a new consultation out from the borough which we are much happier with because it has been put together with the schools themselves and so we are, we are much happier with that. We hope people will respond to that consultation and that that will actually start to see some, some benefits when that actually starts to be put into practice. David, you mentioned the, the earlier years but it's, it, some would say it's the secondary schools are the ones that are struggling. Uh, no, I mean, the, the uh, secondary schools uh, are also improving as well. In fact, I mean, if we take uh, where Mr. Barwood lives, I understand, in the sort of northeast side of Bedford, there are schools, middle schools, upper schools, that meet the standards that we set, that are good by Ofsted and whose examination results are above the national standards. Jane, what's your response to that? Yeah, I mean, David's right. The the schools are are doing their best and trying very hard. We have to try and facilitate things like transitions between the schools and the schools working together. And I think that's the way that we will actually get 
get the results and the standards up, which we're all trying for. We're all, that's, that's our aim for everybody, parents, teachers and the local authority. Well, listen, both of you, thank you very much for coming on. Fascinating debate. David Sawyer there, you heard is the uh, Lib Dem councillor in charge of education and children's services. And the last voice you heard there was his Conservative opposition, Jane Walker. Well, what do you think? Are you happy with the schools? Particularly if you live in Bedford, are you happy with the schools there? Are you happy to send your kids there? If you live outside of Bedford, what do you think? Would you move to get your children into a better school? 08459 555. Let's get the travel news now with Adam Glynn. and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. And as predicted, the M25 anti-clockwise is now pretty stop-start from Junction 20 at Kings Langley right the way through to 16 at the M40. At least it is still all moving and there have been no accidents reported. You'll find it busy as well from the M11. In fact, back before the M11 now through to the A10 and Enfield and the roadworks and clockwise entering the roadworks. Busy too from Junction 22 at London Coney through to 23 at the A1M. The A1 through Roxton on the southbound side is queuing approaching the Black Cat roundabout. Busy on the Barnet Bypass as well through Boreham Wood further down the A1 between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus. Similarly, the A10 this morning we've got a fair few queues through Chesant. Speed sensors picking up that it's looking very slow between College Road and the Winston Churchill Way. Then again Again, as you get into Enfield, the A10 slows down between Bullsmore Lane and Southbury Road. A41, very slow from Hemel Hempstead through to the M25. Trains, a little bit of good news. Virgin are back to normal if you're heading north. Thank you very much. Morning, it's nearly 8.16. It's Wednesday the 13th of March. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. An education consultant from Bedford says a lack of vision from local government is holding the town's state schools back. Government plans to end a scheme which helps people with severe disabilities to live at home will be challenged in the High Court today. In sport, in last night's conference match, Luton Town suffered a humiliating 2-1 defeat by Strugglers Hyde at Kenilworth Road. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks dry and bright with occasional wintry showers and a top temperature of 2 degrees. Coming up, government plans to end a scheme which helps people with disabilities to live at home are being challenged in the High Court today. We'll find out more before 8.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. Did you know you can get in touch with BBC Three Counties Radio wherever you are via Twitter at BBC 3CR. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash BBC 3CR. Call us on 08459 455 555 or text us on 81333 and start your message with 3CR. Getting beds, hearts and bucks talking. BBC Three Counties Radio. Boom, boom. Look at you in your black shirt. Try that again. Let's let's do this now. Yes, for goodness sakes. This is ridiculous. Someone has messed... Someone at the weekend... I'm going to go through the weekend schedule and find out who it was. Someone has... What are you doing? I'm just trying to find... Oh, hang on. No, don't use that mic. No, don't use... Use the blue one. Hang on. I'm fixing it. I don't know how to get that one to turn on. Someone has moved the microphones around and um, I keep opening the wrong fader, but... What are you doing now? Just switching this... Don't worry, goodness. I'm a trained... Right, try that now. Try what? Try that. There we are. No, 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 no. Now what you've done Why? is... Because we have, we have three microphones in here. The red one, the one I use, the green one and the blue one, and you've just swatched... Oh. There we go. <laughs> 
keep cackling like a witch? Are you yeah. deliberately trying to sabotage my potentially no, award-winning show? This is how it should be set up. Yes. So it's not my fault someone has changed this studio around, probably some incompetent imbecile who's been in here, they've switched everything round, and then left it for the true professionals to have to pick up. When are they coming in, then? <laughs> well, we're still waiting for them. Uh, Paul Scoynes, political reporter and uh, back aficionado, has uh, just messaged me, JVS is the worst engineer ever. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a point. <laughs> How are you this morning? You're looking... Uh, what colour is that? This is uh, burgundy. <laughs> no one says burgundy anymore. Yeah, this is a burgundy top. You can, you've got two burgundy tops on. Do you like it? I do like it. And I've been, I've been inspired by you. Have you? You know you and your smart shoes? Oh, yeah. Oh, they need, they need a polish, but they're not my uh, Seinfeld trainers anymore. They're not leather soles. You should never wear smart shoes without this kind of manly. But what sole, sole is that then? Plastic. Oh, for goodness sakes! They you cost me forty pounds as well. Did they forty pounds? Well, they got so many plastic soles. Yeah, they have. I'm afraid. Oh, I've been ripped off. <laughs> Dolce's has gone right downhill. <laughs> Now, listen, I know why you're cackling. It's because you're talking about booze this morning. I suspect you maybe you've tried a little bit this morning. Just to <laughs> it's get into a the wicked mood. slur. I've not even had a sniff of the barmaid's apron this morning. I can <laughs> assure you of this now. Oh, you should meet my mum. Why? I think you'd like her. Why? Yeah, I just think you'd get on. I She's think an old soak too. Yes, she, <laughs> <laughs> yes, she is. She is. What's, what are you discussing about the booze today, JBS? Well, we're asking whether the government would be right to drop this minimum price for alcohol. There are concerns that a U-turn on minimum pricing is on the cards, apparently. You know the government was planning on introducing this minimum price. I did hear this, yes. And um, we've done various discussions over the months as to whether this would be the right thing to do. And the health experts are saying it's got to be done because we've got alcohol that's far too cheap yeah. and lots of people are drinking far too much because it's too accessible. Yes. Now they seem to be changing their mind. They now seem to be suggesting that they're not going to go ahead with this. Well, is that the right thing to do? Mm. To, in effect, go against the medical advice from these doctors that have suggested that alcohol is too cheap in this country. And if we are to combat not only our binge drinking problem on a Friday and a Saturday night with youngsters going around the towns of beds, hearts and bucks, getting lashed and then smashing up bus shelters, but also your middle class mum and dad coming home and knocking back a bottle of Pinot every night. Yes. Are they wrong to ignore that medical advice? Your views on the big phone-in at nine. Would the government be right to drop the minimum price for alcohol? I look forward to uh, listening. What, what do you think? I know, you're supposed, I know you're supposed to be impartial. Forget that. Forget the BBC impartiality nonsense. Uh, well, if it were me, bottles of Pinot Grigio, 20p. Personally... <laughs> I don't want to pay loads of money for it, do I? I love, jo my, Jonathan, love my booze. I know you do. Go, go and have another little <laughs> snifter and we'll speak to you later on. 08459 455 555. If you want to call JVS, you can send him a cheeky email. Not too cheeky. Show at bbc.co.uk. Put your phone number on and a couple of lines about what you want to say. And uh, the team may call you back. Now, just before eight o'clock, we had uh, a resident, of, uh, two residents of Hightown on the show, and also uh, the PCC. Uh, Ollie Martins came in and uh, had a little chat. He got a little bit uh, the, um, fiery, I guess you could say. Well, Pat's in Houghton Regis. Morning, Pat. Good morning, Ian. Pat, what, what, what did you make of what was said by Ollie earlier on? Oh, it's it's, it's just disgraceful, really. Why? Can, well, I think it's disgraceful in respect that. Uh, the complaints are down from 300 to 90, and even one complaint is too much. In 90 is obscene. And so these are complaints about the prostitution, aren't they? Or, or, or they complaints are, yes. in general, but often about prostitution and drugs, yes. That's right, and, and the ongoing problem is going to continue because the police 
are taking a line that they're just going to friendly warn the perpetrators of this. Well, that is a real deterrent, isn't it? This is what policing is not about. Well, Ollie, Ollie Martins did say that the, the, the first the first time you get caught curb, crawl, curb crawling, you'll get a, a little knock on the window and say, move on, fella, you, you could be in trouble. Second time, you'll get a letter sent to your house, which if, if, if the, the worry is your wife's going to see it, it's easy to hide post from the... And it won't be till the third time you get caught that um, something will be done. But Ollie did say, Pat, that um, in his defence, that the, the police are facing huge cuts... And they have to prioritise. And according to him, when he knocked on 10 doors and some PCSOs knocked on some other doors, that the top of the list was was burglary and assault that people were afraid of. So is he not right to prioritise? It was an excuse. The police are facing extreme cuts. They've been facing extreme cuts, as far as I know, for 30 years. Because every time uh, we went in to complain about anything, when I was a councillor in the past, it was always, we're experiencing cuts. We have to prioritise. This is the oldest excuse they keep using. What about the excuse that we are going to police and we're going to do a nil tolerance on this policing so that resources are effective, not ineffective, effective. So when they do a, a nil tolerance, people are getting arrested, people are being dealt with instead of visiting these same people probably two, three, four, five times sucking out the resources. Pat, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. What do you think? If you heard the interview, uh, cuts are being made. And Ollie Martins is is, is prioritising. And according to him, the, the, the local residents were more concerned about assaults and burglary than they were about prostitution and drugs. Now, government plans to end a scheme which helps people with disabilities to live at home are being challenged in the High Court today. Lawyers acting for a group of disabled people will argue that the Department of Work and Pensions has failed to carry out proper consultations on phasing out the Independent Living Fund. Joined now by Ellen Clifford from Disabled People Against Cuts, who are supporting the people taking legal action. Morning, Ellen. Good morning. Ellen, firstly, can you explain how important the Independent Living Fund is? Well, the Independent Living Fund may only support about 19,000 disabled people, but it's disabled people with the most complex needs. And its significance is huge in terms of disabled people's right to live equally and independently in the community rather than being in institutions. And we know from recent cases like Winterbourne View and Bristol what living in institutions actually means for people. Uh, How successful do you think this challenge is going to be? What we're hoping for is that the government has to rerun the consultation and this time actually listen to people, make, it, make the consultation accessible so that people can take part in it, first of all, but then actually listen to people's views because the majority of respondents to the previous consultation were opposed to the government funds, government plans. How much, how much do people get on, on uh, this living uh, fund? On average, it's about £300 a week and that will uh, pay for carers so that people can live at home rather than in a care home um, and that will enable people to have a full and active life, maybe even have a job, um, volunteer, have a family, go out, actually be able to choose, for example, what time you go to bed. And what's it, so that fund is, 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 if this goes ahead, is being removed completely? Is it going to be replaced by anything? Well, the money is going to be transferred for existing recipients to right. local authorities to distribute. Now, one of the issues with that is that the Independent Living Fund runs on extremely low overheads, which are about 2% of its overall costs, whereas local authorities spend a hell of a lot more on their overheads. So actually, that's going to reduce the amount that's there for uh, the recipients, but also it's not going to be ring-fenced. So local authorities facing cut- cutbacks are obviously going to be using it to prop up their uh, reduced social services budgets. So that means a real loss in terms of support for people 
people who were used to having an independent quality of life. If the challenge isn't successful, Ellen, what, what would that mean? Well, for individuals who have, like I say, got used to having this independent quality of life, the idea of having to either move into a residential home or to exist on a couple of 30-minute slots a day where you're just kind of basically cleaned up or given a cup of tea is horrific. And, and people are talking in very serious terms, such as, you know, they would honestly rather be dead than have to have their entire lives basically taken away from them. Well, Ellen Clifford uh, from Disabled People Against Cuts, thank you very much. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. We are asking for your uh, middle class mishaps this morning after Paul Scoyne's political reporter um, injured his back lifting a coal scuttle. I lifted, uh, injured my back um, lifting a three year old child. Uh, we've had injuries, uh, people pulling up their pants uh, whilst on the loo, people uh, um, slipping a disc whilst uh, peeling Brussels sprouts. You've all been on Facebook. And we'll, we'll ignore the rude comments about Paul Scoyne's appearance on Facebook. That's, that's unnecessary. But you've been, some of you have been say, telling us your injuries on facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Uh, Ree Bridges says, I gave myself a black eye. I was acting a muppet with the kids, went to run away from them uh, and ran smack bang into the edge of the kitchen door. Um, a few years ago, my husband pulled... This is Jen Russell. A few years ago, my husband pulled a back muscle while checking the oil in our car. What a dipstick. Um, Lisa says, signed off work for two weeks. When coming down the stairs, the, stairs, the cat decided to dart down. Oh, they do that. And then weave in and out of my feet, causing me to come a cropper down 13 stairs. And Darren, this is the best one of the day so far. Dislocated a rib whilst yawning. <laughs> Oh man, that's brilliant! Matt's in Luton. Matt, you've called in because of. Uh, are you a smoker, Matt? Uh, not now. You managed to stop, did you? Oh, I stopped. Nineteen ninety. Remember it well. Oh, what a year! What a year! Nineteen ninety. Yeah, I was seventeen years old in nineteen ninety, and really yeah. starting to go downhill. How did you stop? I I used to work. I worked at the airport, and I was on nights heavy smoker. Yeah. Sixty. Many as I get. Yeah. Love to smoke. Walk up to smoke, and. I actually was smoking so much, I had a, my, my mouth was uh, sore in the mornings. Yeah. And I started to drink cold water. Sore mouth, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, then I, I, I thought, that's it, I've had enough. I, I've just got to do it. I've tried it before, and I had to do it. Uh, and then I'd done it, and I couldn't believe it. Uh, also, a woman had told me about uh, grapes in your car. Keep some, a bunch of grapes in the car and in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, the acid in the grapes counteracts the nicotine. What? And the trouble you've got then is the weight. But the way to keep the weight down, you've got to do a bit of exercise walking. So hang on, so you used to smoke 60 a day? 60 and maybe you, more. And you gave up by eating grapes? Well... 60 grapes a day? Well, no, 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 no. See, you're exaggerating again. You've gone over the top again. Well, how many when grapes... you get the pang, you get a pang for a cigarette. How many grapes did you have? Oh, you just have a few grapes in the car, a few in the kitchen. Uh, uh, it, the acid counteracts the nicotine, I'm telling you. I'm, I'm believing you, you. You also... I just want to establish how many grapes you had. <laughs> yeah. 40. There you go again. There you go again. Just accept, get a bunch of grapes... And when you feel the pain, just have a grape. Thank you very much. 
everyone's falling out with me today. <laughs> Maybe it's me. It must be me. Here's the travel with Adam. It's Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Busy in the M25 clockwise. It's looking slow from London Coney at Junction 22 through to the A1M at 23 on the approach to the roadworks stretch. Through the roadworks, it's moving all right, of course, slower than usual because you're down to 50 miles an hour while they've got those narrow lanes in. Going clockwise, it's busy approaching those works as well. Junction 25 at Enfield. Anti-clockwise, we've got traffic building from Junction 28 at the Brook Street roundabout to 25 at Enfield and then again from 18 at Chorleywood through to 16 at the M40. The A10 in Chesant, that's queuing from College Road through to Winston Churchill Way. And on the trains, well, it's still looking a bit slow for Virgin, I'm afraid, and for London Midland. Delays of up to 10 minutes between Milton Keynes and London Euston after earlier signalling problems between Milton Keynes and Bletchley. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. OK, thank you, Adam. I don't want to make light of this. My sister has tweeted me, and when she, she doesn't tweet very often. When she tweets, it means she's got something big to say. Talking about these injuries, my sister has tweeted. I once met a man who sneezed while brushing his teeth and never walked again. Wow. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning with the 8.30 headlines. I'm Catherine Boyle. Bedfordshire Police Commissioner Ollie Martins has told this programme that public discussion of the prostitution problem in Hightown only serves to advertise the area to people prepared to pay for sex. An education consultant from Bedford says a lack of vision from local government is holding the town's state schools back and government plans to end a scheme which helps people with severe disabilities live at home will be challenged in the High Court later. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Arsenal manager Arsene Wenger has confirmed he's rested goalkeeper Wojciech Skechny for tonight's Champions League last 16 second leg tie in Germany against Bayern Munich. Wenger says he's been mentally affected by the number of games he's had to play this season. Lucas Fabianski will be in goal instead with the Gunners trailing Bayern 3-1 from the first leg at the Emirates. Barcelona booked their place in the quarterfinals of the Champions League last night when trailing 2-0 from the first leg in Italy. They beat AC Milan 4-0 at the New Camp to win 4-2 overall. Back home, MK Dons' faint League One promotion hope suffered another blow last night. The Dons lost 3-2 at home from Sh- to Shrewsbury with Ryan Lowe scoring both the Milton Keynes goals. He's a frustrated Carl Robinson. I'm really shocked. I, I don't know sort of how words can sort of put that right because I think anybody who's in the stadium tonight and watched the game and looked at the score at the end, you'd be very, very shocked. Stevenage also suffered defeat in League One. Borough were beaten 1-0 at home to Bournemouth. In League Two, Wickham Wanderers fought back to earn a 2 all draw against Rotherham. The chairboys took the lead in the first half through Joel Grant, but their opponents responded and were 2-1 up with 10 minutes to go before Gary Doherty equalised. Luton Town suffered a humiliating 2-1 defeat at home to Strugglers Hyde in the conference. The Hatters went behind before equalising through Jake Howells, but relegation threatened Hyde scored their winner in the second half, much to the annoyance of the home fans. And manager John still wasn't impressed it's probably as as poor of the four games, poorest I've seen. I thought first half we were okay, just okay, not better than okay, just okay. Uh, second half, nowhere near it. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at nine o'clock. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. But, but it's 8.33. There's only 27 minutes left of this nonsense, and then we can all go and have a good lie down. Uh, coming up in the last 30 uh, minutes or so, more of your middle-class mishaps. I'm, I'm trying to find out more from my sister about the gentleman who, who sneezed. This is what she tweeted, in case you missed it. My sister, I once met a man who sneezed while brushing his teeth and never walked Again, I'm trying not to laugh because obviously that's a horrific story, but wowzers. 08459 555 and it is the 30th anniversary of National No Smoking Day. What are you doing to celebrate? You sparking up a big one? I'll be honest, I've not smoked for years. All of this talk of, of smoking is making me think, ooh, a cheeky little roll-up. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that do the business? Trevor's in Luton. Good morning. Good morning, Trevor. Morning, yeah. I'm very well, sorry. I'm just reading on my screen what it says about you. You've had a, 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 a horrendous household accident. What happened to you? A bit of a DIY disaster. Um, I just spent a week putting a new kitchen in, a new flooring, and I just had one little piece of conduit cut where I'd moved the fridge freezer into a cupboard. Yep. Yeah. And uh, instead of going out to the garden onto the workbench, I thought, I'd be all right, I'll do it on the floor. And I thought, no, I won't do it on the floor. No. I've just laid it. I'll exactly. I'll the floor. Yeah. So I've I put it on my leg and went through my leg. Uh, so what, would you have, like, a Stanley knife or something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you cut through your leg? Straight, straight through the top of the thigh, yeah. Oh, um, mate, and that's going to be sore, isn't it? Uh, I was more annoyed about cutting the new jeans. <laughs> 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 it was oh, quite deep, so it didn't nip that much. I find the little the little ones are the worst ones. Yes, the little ones. The little yeah, <laughs> How does a how does a paper? Oh, hang on a second. Is it? I'm, I'm being told that you also you've seen uh, our smoking correspondent Justin Dealey driving around uh, today. Yeah, he was looking a bit arty in the radio car. He was looking what? A bit arty. He looked uh, like a bit at home sitting outside a Parisian cafe drinking coffee. JD, are you there? <laughs> yes, I'm here. Trevor is saying you look very arty today. Yeah. Well, what, describe what you're wearing for the ladies and uh, gentlemen. <laughs> okay, I thought you said something else for a minute there. Yes. Yeah, so um, uh, what, what am I wearing today? I, I'm wearing a, a, a nice long black jacket. I'm wearing a, a very arty scarf, actually. Yes. It, it's a new scarf. It's, it's looking very arty. I took inspiration from a, a, a recent artist that I met in Milson Keynes, uh, the one with the check. Thomas uh, Georgeson, Thomas yes. Georgeson, yeah. When I saw Thomas, I thought, I'm going to change my image. I'm wearing some brown shoes. I'm wearing some tight jeans. And, uh, yes, I've got the hair slicked back Fond style. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that the gentleman you saw, Trevor? Yeah, yeah. We just come thundering past him in a couple of trucks. <laughs> and can I ask, listen, lots of people are being surprised today at what some of the staff here at 3CR look like. People are disgusted and dismayed by Paul Scoyne's appearance. Does Justin look like you'd imagine, better or worse? Uh, no, no, he didn't. It's sort of just like the voice didn't match the face or something. I, was just, I wasn't expecting that. No, no. He's a lot younger than I thought he was. Isn't he just? You mm-hmm. see, a lot, lot, Justin, we're going to speak to you in about 10, 12 minutes or so. Whereabouts are you? I'm at Luson. I'm just outside the train station right now, getting views on National No Smoking Day. Yes. We've been talking about that all morning. Yeah. Will it make a difference? I'm hopefully going to find somebody who is giving up for today because of this big national occasion. I doubt we will, but Ian, I'm certainly going to try for you. I imagine after last night's humiliating defeat by Hyde that you've probably been <laughs> smoking a few more today, have you? Is that right? Well, I have to say, I have been smoking again today. It means nothing to me i want to give up but this national day personally means absolutely nothing okay, to me we'll speak to you in about 10 12 minutes or so we are talking middle class mishaps karen on twitter says her mum hurt her back trying to pull up her knickers and um the, the, the radio presenter at lbc james o'brien he got a blister from stirring risotto <laughs> yeah. 
Paul Scoynes, our political reporter and uh, angry young man, judging by the message he's just sent me, um, put his back out by lifting a coal scuttle. Well, joining us now is uh, Hertfordshire GP, Dr Mike Ingram. Good morning, Doctor. Good morning to you. And before we start, I'm pleased to hear Justin's thinking of giving up smoking because uh, I'd like to encourage it. I've nagged him many, many times. <laughs> and I think everybody should make a big effort for National Non-Smoking Day because it is the best thing you can do for your health and to avoid seeing horrible people like me. So, uh, Well, it is, it, is, listen, get... it is the best thing you can do and it's one of the best things I've ever done. I gave it eight years ago and I, and I love the fact that I did. Uh, but, but people like you, the doctor, I'm pointing at you now. You can't see this. Okay. I'm pointing yeah. at you. Yeah. But people like, like, like you would make me smoke even more when I was a smoker. No, we'd help you. We'd help you. We'd, we'd actually co- cost it you through. In our surgery, we have a wonderful smoking clinic where, we, yeah. where all, our, all our staff are there just to hold people's hands as they give up and do everything we can to get them to give up because we know it just makes such a difference to the population health in this country. And, and do remember that uh, all this fuss we had recently from the politicians say we have higher rates of heart disease and cancer than the rest of Europe. That's because we smoke more than them. Good for you. Well, well, well done, uh, Doctor. Now, back to these middle-class mishaps. Yeah, do, you, do you see many of these injuries, Doctor, or are people too embarrassed? embarrassed to come and talk about them well uh, the first thing i want to say is what's middle class about pulling your knickers up i, I hope that's, that's pretty much come on, come on people don't bother no you're right that's a you that's a universal but still it's, it's an odd one it is an odd one. Uh, in, interesting. I mean, first thing, of course, you could look at, if you're looking at middle class, the typical one is the skiing injuries, which we get at this time of year. And a lot of people go away skiing. Uh, not, uh, and again, perhaps skiing holidays do correlate to a level of affluence. And, uh, and people come back from skiing with all sorts of injuries. So that's probably a, a very common one we see. But the, the interesting thing is you do get backs being pulled in the most unusual situations. I, I've got a vivid, vivid memory of a patient coming in absolute agony, and all they'd done was lean to the back of their sock drawer to try and get a pair of socks out, and they went into an absolute spasm from that. So, uh, so the trouble is that there's these injuries that just hit you unexpectedly. Yeah. Uh, a couple of these. Uh, the, the Jenny on, on Facebook says, I, is this possible? I suffered a prolapsed disc from eating my cereal one morning. I, I'd very much like to watch Jenny eat cereal this morning. It must be extremely interesting. <laughs> and here's where, where's the one um, I signed off. No, hang on. Where's the one about? Um, uh, the, well, the, I, a few years ago, my husband pulled a back muscle while checking the oil in the car. And Darren says, "This is one of my favourites." I dislocated a rib bone whilst yawning. What you, you doctors? Instead of warning about smoking, Doctor Ingram, you should be warning about the dangers of yawning. For goodness' sakes! Well, I, I put that very much to yours. As long as your programs are entertaining enough, no one's going to yawn, are they? Well, well let, let's let's hope so. I don't, I, I, Ollie Martin's might be as a result of, of coming on the show today. What is there? Listen, any, everything we do is potentially dangerous to Absol- us. Absolutely, is- and you've got to remember that that so many accidents do occur in the home. In fact, uh, you know, some of those stories you've heard are, are typical. You know cutting things with a standing knife, or DIY, falling off ladders. Ladder injury is a classic. Uh, and in fact, it's a, it's a testimony perhaps to, to the longevity of some of our, uh, of our population that I've had sort of 80-year-old people coming up saying, I, I sort of damaged my back when I was trying to lop the branches off a top tree out the top of a ladder. Uh, so this is not just uh, young people at work. It's everybody who puts themselves at risk by going up ladders, doing DIY, or perhaps pushing themselves a little further than their skills are really there, doing a bit more stretching a little further reaching more to change a light bulb uh, or, or something like that and if, if back injuries in particular dr ingram yeah. what's the best thing to do? do do people kind of leave them too long so they get worse should we come to you straight away should we take a week off work what's the plan well i think the first thing to say is, is that 
I'm specifically talking about people who just suddenly pull their backs. You do something and your back suddenly goes and goes into agonizing pain. That's usually caused by muscle spasm. In other words, all the muscles of the back go absolutely tight on you. Most people who get sciatica or other types of prolapsed disc, that tends to happen over a period of time. So those ones which come on like a bolt from the blue, that's usually spasm. And heating or icing the back uh, and hot bath or hot water, hot shower on them will actually relax the muscle spasm. And that's probably a good treatment for that sudden bolt out the blue back pain. Dr. Mike Ingram, thank you very much for coming on. Always a pleasure. Look, Michael, you're all so clumsy. Michael on Facebook, I broke my collarbone and wrist whilst gardening for my mother two years ago by tripping over a low garden. Huh? Earlier on in the show, about about 50 minutes ago, uh, we had a couple of residents from Hightown in Luton. It's a story we've been following for a while, and the PCC, Ollie Martin's come in. It was quite a, I keep wanting to say fruity discussion, but it wasn't fruity, it was feisty. Both gentlemen left um, not very happy, I think. If, if you missed it, BBC iPlayer, from about 7.45, go and, go and have a listen. It was awkward. Uh, well, Akbar lives in Luton. Morning, Akbar. Oh, good morning, Ian. You live near Hightown, don't you? I do. Well, what do you think about the... Are, are you concerned about the level of prostitution? That seems to be the, the, the thing that the callers are talking about. Um, I must give uh, credit to this uh, man from Hightown, Shazad, for uh, highlighting the issue, which has been around uh, in, uh, for, for a very long time. And he has been talking about this issue for a very long time. Um, uh, I live in, in Biscot Ward, and uh, uh, the, 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 I see sex working, working uh, sex workers uh, uh, doing their doing their bit um, in the area on regular basis. Um, and, well, Ollie uh, Martins, the PCC, sorry to interrupt, but Ollie Martins says that he knocked on ten doors and some uh, other officers knocked on, on, on throughout all of uh, High Town, and the prostitution wasn't the main concern. It was burglary and it was assault, and that they have to prioritise. And prostitution isn't that high on their list of priorities. But that may not be a priority for uh, Ollie Martin, uh, um, but it is uh, uh, a big issue and matter of concern and for for residents of, of Biscot Ward and Dallow Ward and uh, and uh, and to Sands and Chorney Ward people because uh, um, uh, people don't like uh, sex workers working outside their doors and. Uh, uh, police should be should be devoting more resources to this issue. I mean, it's it's an ongoing issue, and to, and to uh, Farali Martin to come on and say it's a non-issue is uh, is regrettable. Well, in fairness, he didn't say it was a non-issue. He said it was lower down their list of priorities. One final thing, but Ollie Martin's also suggested that by discussing the problem on this show, we could potentially be making the problem worse because, in effect, we're advertising where street workers. Are working. Do you agree with that, or do you think it's? Would you like us to highlight these issues? Oh, uh, I entirely agree. Uh, disagree with uh, what Ollie Martin is, uh, is is saying. You are a pub, public service uh, organization, and uh, you are doing a wonderful job by highlighting the issues and concerns of the people uh, of uh, of three counties. Akbar, thank you very much for calling in. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. It is something I sometimes ponder are we making situations worse by talking about them 
or are we doing a public service job by highlighting them? I don't know. Well, I think I know, but I'm not 100% sure. 08459 455 555. It's 8.45. Dealey coming up soon, but before that, here's Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Through Kimpton, Kimpton Road, we're hearing reports that it's been blocked by an overturned vehicle between the High Street in Kimpton and Tanyard Lane in Codicott. The M1 southbound heavy this morning between Junction 15 at Northampton and the Newport Bagnell services, but down toward London not looking too bad. High Wycombe and the A40 Abbey Way flyovers quite slow, past the university and the college to the bottom of Marlow Hill. Eastbound A41 particularly busy from Hemel Hempstead at the A414 down to the M25. If you're joining the motorway, anti-clockwise it's stop-start from... Well, way back in Essex, Junction 28 at the Brook Street Roundabout through to 25 at Enfield. Then again, it slows anti-clockwise from 18 at Chorleywood round to 16 at the M40. And the clockwise side, busy from Junction 22 at London Coney to 23 at the A1M. Good news for the trains. London Midland and Virgin Trains back to normal now, into and out of London, after earlier signalling problems between Milton Keynes and Bletchley. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. It's 8.46. It's Wednesday, the 13th of March. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Bedfordshire Police Commissioner, Ollie Martins, has told this programme that public discussion of the prostitution problem in Hightown only serves to advertise the area to people looking to pay for sex. An education consultant from Bedford says a lack of vision from local government is holding the town's state schools back. In sport, Andy Murray's through to the fourth round of the Indian Wells Masters Series tennis event after a 6-3, 6-2 win over Yen Sun Lu of Chinese Taipei. And coming up, it's the day when smokers are being encouraged to finally kick the habit. It's the 30th anniversary of the first national no-smoking day. But is it encouraging you to try and quit? We'll get your views before nine o'clock. But now let's get the latest weather. Here's Wendy Hurrell. Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Temperatures only just above freezing out there at the moment. There is some lovely blue sky, a bit of high cloud around here and there, and that's how it's going to continue for the rest of today. However, with the addition of one or two showers starting to creep in, now they're mostly further east of us at the moment, but they'll be pushed a little further inland later on today, and there will be wintry of nature. I don't think they're going to really accumulate any snow on the ground, and perhaps temporarily, but some of the heavier ones do have some hail and thunder mixed up with them as well, so that could get interesting. But I think most most peoples will see a dry day with some sunshine and temperatures up to five or six degrees Celsius. Overnight tonight, any last showers will die out and it will be dry and clear and very chilly. A widespread frost forming and temperatures in the countryside perhaps as low as minus five or six. And those clear skies continue into tomorrow as well. Lovely blue skies and sunny conditions throughout the day. Temperatures then getting to six or seven degrees Celsius, but still with a chill in the wind as it's coming from the north. Slowly but surely, though, it switches to a more southwesterly direction and that will bring us in a change of weather for Friday and the weekend. Clouding over gradually on Friday with some outbreaks of rain by the end of the day and some further outbreaks of rain through the weekend too. Blustery conditions with winds from the southwest, but at least it won't feel quite as bitter as temperatures get up to 7 or 8 degrees Celsius. That's your weather for now. Thank you very much. 
You can listen to BBC Three Counties Radio in so many different ways. On FM. 95.5. 103.8. And 104.5. On AM. 630 and 1161. Online at bbc.co.uk. Three Counties. And on DAB. Digital Radio. Retune your digital radio now and look out for BBC 3CR. Bringing local radio to you in, in more, more ways, ways than, than ever. ever before. BBC Three Counties Radio. Middle class mishaps we're discussing. Political reporter Paul Scoynes, um, who I think is, is sitting somewhere in a dark cupboard crying after the, uh, the abuse he's been getting on Facebook. Unfair. Well, it's not abuse. People were surprised at what he looked like. So was I. Every day I'm surprised by what he looks like. Uh, but um, he injured his back whilst lifting up a coal scuttle. If you want to see uh, video footage of him recreating that, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. We're asking for your middle class mishaps. Well, Phil has texted in 81333, starting his text 3CR. I had the most middle class mishap you'll hear today. When When slicing a Marks and Spencer croissant, I misjudged where the croissant ended and my hand started. I still have the scar. I've got a scar, actually. I've got a scar on my finger, and it's still quite numb. This is like a year later. I think there's some bandage underneath the scar. How, what, what do you do if there is... I, I put a bandage on it. I cut my finger trying to build a John Lewis wardrobe. And I, I got the pen... I had, like, a, a, a pen knife, and I was trying to d- get the, the knife to turn into a screwdriver, and I sliced through my finger. Lots of blood. I was in the house on my own, couldn't find any plasters, and I had my finger under the tap, blood pouring away on the phone to my wife, going, where are the plasters? I had to use my son's play bandage. He has a play bandage. Don't ask why. Wrapped it around... And I think there's bandage underneath my finger, still, to this day. And it's still numb. The tip of my finger is numb because of that. Yes, no, it's not that finger. It's the other one. So uh, d- don't worry. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. You've got ten minutes if you want to give us a call to uh, let us know your middle class mishaps, or you can go to the Facebook page. Now, it's we wouldn't normally be doing a no smoking day. I, I, I never like talking about no smoking day because it's a bit worthy and a bit pompous, and we're doing. Oh, you should stop smoking. But the reason we're doing it today is because it's the thirtieth anniversary, and I thought it was possibly worth having a little look at. Well, one in five of us are smokers across the three counties, including some of our breakfast team daily. But kicking the habit is harder than it seems. Two out of every three smokers have tried before, and a quarter have lost count of the amount of times they've tried. Our Sparking Up correspondent, Justin Dealey, has been out to spot those not observing No Smoking Day, Justin. Yes, Ian, they're absolutely everywhere. How long have we got uh, left on the programme, by the way? What, nine minutes or so? We've got plenty of time, Plenty baby. of time. OK, uh, I've got a challenge for you, Ian, because what I'm looking to find yeah. uh, between now and nine yeah. is somebody who is a smoker who won't be smoking today mm. because it's National No Smoking Day. Let's put it out there. You've got yeah. nine minutes, 08459 I bet we get zero calls mm. on that, Justin. Absolutely. I've been out since six this morning asking smokers, are they going to stop today? They're clearly not. I was in Harpenden earlier on and they were saying today means absolutely nothing to me. I'm now back in Lucent. I've been talking to smokers and this is what they've had to say. Well, William, it's National No Smoking Day. Yeah, here you are smoking. So today means absolutely nothing to you at all. Can you tell us why? Because um, I'm addicted to nicotine. Yeah. And how many cigarettes are you smoking a day? 20 today. How many years have you been smoking for? Oh, oh, 20 years. And you just can't give up. You try, but you just can't give up. Well, I don't see the point in giving up, really. I like to smoke, so I smoke. You're not worried about your health, though? Well, no one's going to live forever. 
So when you're smoking those cigarettes, when you're paying those prices, you just think, I enjoy it. I don't really care about the risks. That's it, yep. <laughs> What's there again? Somebody who's smoking on National No Smoking Day. Do you feel bad for doing that? Not really. I didn't even know it's National No Smoking Day. Uh, until I see you. Anyway, I'm not feeling bad. <laughs> so now you know it is National No Smoking Day. Will yeah. you put the cigarettes away for the rest of the day? Um, no, not really. Yeah. No, I didn't do that. So it means absolutely nothing to you at all as a smoker? No, it means nothing. I think it's, it's a National No Smoking Day cannot help, I think. You know, it's just uh, people need to have strong determination and family support and everything to give up, you know, I think. And people who don't smoke, who may say to you, it's really easy to give up. Why can't you give up? Do those people really annoy you because they're almost preaching to you? Yeah, my wife does it every day. <laughs> you know, it's horrible. I can't make her understand it's not easy. This is the toughest thing in this world, you know, I think. Because, you know, it causes lots of problems. Um, it's not easy. So it's causing problems in your relationship. Yeah, it you, does. You just can't quit? No. I tried. I tried. I tried quite a few times. Last, uh, last time when I tried, um, I managed six months. Uh, but then I got back to cigarette again. What made you smoke again? You know, I've, this that six months, I've always been thinking of going back, going back, but I, I resisted, you know what I mean? But at some point, I was in a in a gathering, you know, with some of my friends, and then I started again, I was, well, one day, then got back again. What does he mean by gathering? I think he means one of these sexy parties <laughs> which happen in Luton. I think that's what he means. It's, uh, you know, barbecues in the back garden and uh, all sorts going keys on. Keys in the fishbowl. Now, yeah. the, the, the thing that no one has, has, has really touched on, Justin, right, is I, I'm an ex-smoker and I'm, I'm not one of those preachy ex-smokers, but it does, it does taste quite nice. It's, mm. it's, it is a pleasurable thing to it do. Is. Absolutely. You know, as, as a smoker, I gave up for a couple of years. I went back to it because I missed it. You know, it was it was something that, that I was fighting every single day. And I don't get these people personally who say, I gave up two or three years ago and I don't miss it at all. Obviously, that's their personal experience. Mine, every day was a fight. I know about the health risks and also the money. If you're smoking 20 cigarettes a day, uh, around eight that's pounds a packet, you're looking at almost three thousand pounds a year that's a lot of money is your missus a smoker no she hates it absolutely hates it and will she kiss you and stuff oh of course you know why wouldn't you kiss me (laughs) because you stink wow you know well listen you asked we asked for someone who is not smoking um uh, today because it's no smoking national no smoking day gavin hello gavin in bedford are you a smoker yes Uh, 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 will you be smoking today because i'm a social smoker and i'm not addicted to nicotine excuse me I'm a social smoker and I'm not addicted to nicotine. I haven't had a smoke since the weekend when I went out for a drink. Smoke when I have a drink, but I absolutely love it. I cannot abide the smell of it and the taste of it without a drink. I know it's weird, but I, I've been smoking like that for like nearly 10 years, probably even maybe a bit more. I'm not addicted to nicotine. I can smoke when I like uh, and I love the beer and I've got no intentions of having a cigarette today and it doesn't bother me in any way, shape or form. Justin, do you do you buy this? I hate people like Gavin. I absolutely hate them because th- they can smoke when they want to and not get addicted. But that wasn't the challenge, Ian. I'm yeah. looking for somebody who no. is a smoker who's smoking 20 cigarettes a day who won't be smoking today. Sorry, Gavin, but that's no good. Do you, do you want me to cut him off, Justin? Yeah, cut him off. Uh, Gavin, I apologise. I apologise, Justin. Okay, Sorry. let's... No, no, that's fine. Listen, it's fine. You've set the challenge. Yeah. I don't buy these. I'm not addicted to nicotine people either. I do that. Mm. Barry's in House and Regis. Good morning, Barry. Good morning. Are you a smoker? No, I um. never, never smoked. Oh. Are you uh, going to smoke no, today? What I was going to say was, yes. we've now covered all the cigarettes up in supermarkets. Yep. 
um, left and all right, opened in little shops. Yes. But this weekend I was staggered when I saw the price of cigarettes on one of the soap operas that had a close-up of it. Just oh. for, and gone up to £7 for 20 Yeah, is it, uh, at least. You know, surely that's going to... That, that puts people off more than covering the flipping things up. Yeah, I, what do you, I, I don't think that this covering them up makes any difference, to be honest. I, I think people would still... If you want a fag, you could, but but again, Barry, thank you for calling in. But you're not what we're looking for. <laughs> Two minutes to go, Justin. It's not looking great, is it? It's got to be somebody out there, surely, because you know when I was smoking ten years ago, th- these days were significant. And today, of course, the thirtieth anniversary yeah. of No Smoking Day. Uh, yeah. Two minutes. Uh, somebody give us a call if you are a smoker and uh, you won't be smoking today. Would like to hear from Let's you. Let's try. Hang on a second. We've got a, we've got another call. Another wow, wow. Basil's from Halton Regis. Good morning, Basil. Good morning, Basil. Are you, are you a smoker? Yes, I am. Uh, how many do you smoke? I used to smoke about 20 a day. Yeah. How many do you smoke now? Well, I've been cutting down since few months now. Yeah. Um, I went from 20 to 15 to 10 to 5, and then now I'm smoking like Okay, so you smoke about five a day. Will you be smoking any cigarettes today? No. I was about to smoke when I heard you radio, and no, I'm not going to smoke. Hey! Hey! We did it! <laughs> and are you going to stop just for today and spark up tomorrow, or, or is this it, Basil? Are you, are you finished smoking forever now? Not forever from today, but I will be in the future, I think. Okay, and we've stopped him smoking in the future. He's going, but it'll spark up tomorrow. Well, well, Justin, we've we've had a positive impact. Absolutely. Now, listen, we have. You, you've done a cracking job today. Go and, go and have a cigarette. You deserve one. Thank you. Really. Good lad, Justin. He's worked hard. He deserves a little smoke, I think. Excellent. So, well, I feel we've had an impact on Basil's life. That's wonderful. Makes all of the pain worthwhile. Here's the travel news now with Adam. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers, Ian. Kimpton Road through Kimpton. We're still hearing reports that's both, uh, blocked in both directions because of an overturned vehicle between the High Street in Kimpton and Tanyard Lane in Codicott. Any updates on that would be very much appreciated if anyone's in the area and is stuck. Do give us a call 08459 455 555. Southbound M1, that's queuing between Northampton and the Newport Pagnell services. If you're heading for the M25, it's still very busy this morning. Clockwise slow at the junction 25, the A10 Enfield. Anti-clockwise slow from 27 through to 25, then again from 18 at Chorleywood round to 16 at the M40. You'll also find queues on the A10 through Chesant. Speed sensors have been showing that slow for a good hour and a half now between College Road and the Winston Churchill Way. Better news for the trains though because pretty much everything is running to time. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you. Well, there we go. If you missed the show today, I thoroughly recommend having a sneaky little listen uh, on the BBC iPlayer, particularly from about quarter to eight, when it started to get a bit fiery. Back tomorrow at six. Do stick around, though. JVS is up next. Ta-ta. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.